You're in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have them all in one room, ladies and gentlemen. Well, a virtual room anyway. We have Chris O'Brien somewhere in Arizona, Gene Steinberg Brunos, and Nick Redfern in Texas. But he's not a cowboy. Or have you, because of the years you spent in Texas, Nick Redfern, have you started wearing the Western hat and the six guns and everything? (laughs) No. No, I just T-shirts, jeans, bandanas, that's about it, really. You have not become an honorary Texan. Oh, well, I'm an honorary Texan. I just don't don't wear the cowboy gear, that's all. I like it in Texas. I like the cult, the Texas culture, and everything. And um, and the papers just, you know, I just do my own thing, clothes-wise. That's all. Awesome. <laughs> I really have to talk to my niece. She and her husband have lived in Houston for a while, but I haven't heard from her for several years. I haven't heard anything about what might have happened as a result of that hurricane. So I just hope that she's all right, that Lori's all right. But I haven't heard from her. You kind of wonder. Sometimes you lose touch with family members she's my niece we'll have to find out Lori Kincaid her name is so if anyone knows her you know tell her Jean's looking for her find what she's doing before we get started with our Halloween one of our Halloween shows about shapeshifters and all those weird creatures even a man who is pure in heart and says his prayers by night may become a wolf when the wolf bane blooms and the autumn moon is bright. You remember that, right, Nick? I remember that, yeah, from the old uh, Universal movie, The Wolfman. Yeah. Right. There were a couple of different versions. They, one was the autumn moon is bright, the other one the moon is full and bright, because they wanted to make the phenomenon happen all around the year, so they changed the oh, okay. way things were done. So before we get started, we've got multiple threads In the Paracast forums, and Nick, you may want to get involved in this once Chris and I talk about it, mentioning the one, the only, Tom DeLonge, and this event that he had, and I'm not sure what Two of the Stars is going to do, but it's not disclosure, it's raising money for some advanced scientific (laughs) projects. I've lost track of this. Nick, have you been following it at all? Well, yeah, I have. You know, I mean, it began really, uh, just as an aside, I actually met Tom DeLonge about nine years ago, eight years ago, and he was actually, he wasn't speaker or anything like that. He was attending one of Ryan Wood's crashed UFO conferences in Vegas, and he particularly wanted to see Jim Mars, who was on the speaker bill. And I recognized him, who he was, and, you know, we had a chat all about sort of a, UFOs and punk music and whatever, but um, so you know it shows his interest actually does go back a long, long time. Even though it wasn't sort of publicised back in sort of 2008, 2009 when he went to see Jim Mars talk. Yeah, I mean, sort of lately, you know, the, the way that it's all began in the last year or whatever more. You know, it all kind of started off that this was going to be sort of the road towards UFO disclosure. You know, that he had sources and um, information and this was all going to come tumbling out etc etc and it never and it didn't and it hasn't you know uh, like you said this is nothing to do with disclosure it's all about you know sort of advanced technologies and and getting people on board you know with funding etc but none of this surprises me because 
you know, over the years, I've written numerous articles about disclosure at Mysterious Universe, and I have no faith, and I've never had any faith that disclosure's coming. I think it's all just garbage. You know, it's kind of like the boy who cried wolf. It's like, how many times do we have to hear it's coming, and it never comes? It's not a case of me giving up on disclosure. I've never had any faith in it in the first place. I think it's just, um, <laughs> there's just nothing to it, you know. I mean, I remember, you know, when the whole MJ-12 document thing kicked off in 87, when the MJ-12 document surfaced, people were saying, oh, you know, this is going to be the first step to disclosure. And then, you know, Stephen Greer was talking about it in the early 2000s, then Steve Bassett. And it still hasn't come. So, you know, if it comes, you know, we'll see. If it doesn't come, I won't be at all surprised at all. You know, and Rich Dolan was also talking about it, you know, sort of after disclosure, what the, you know, what the result would be. Well, you know, that, that's all that's all fair and fine. But you can only really predict what life's going to be after, like after disclosure when you actually had disclosure. So... For me, it's a case of, okay, been there, seen it, done it, you know, and move on because it's clearly, you know, the pattern is just going on and on and on. Of There's never any breakthrough at all. There's just people claiming there's going to be a breakthrough. You see, what bothers me about all this is I'm accused of keeping my head in the 1950s, but all this stuff is just repeating the 1950s all over again. Whatever they did then, they just change a few words, a few planets, and they just repeat the same old nonsense. The thing that bothers me is if there was ever something real to disclose and some real event that might happen, who would believe it after all this? Well, I mean, there's a lot of interesting questions to be asked if, you know, disclosure does come. For example, you know, one of the interesting ones is if disclosure isn't what people are expecting, then they're going to say, well, it's still not disclosure. I mean, let's say, for example... The government says, yes, we're going to disclose. And they say, aliens did crash at Roswell, then, and we've got five bodies or four bodies or whatever. Ufology would be over the moon, you know. But if they then said, but cattle mutilations are just germ warfare experiments, you would have some researchers say, no, that's garbage. Aliens were doing cattle mutilations. So in other words, we may, even if we get disclosure, because of prejudices and deep, uh, deeply held belief systems in ufology. If ufologists don't hear everything they want to, they want to hear, then the chances are they'll say it isn't real disclosure. So even if the government, you know, is doing this out of the good of its heart, you know, they're still in a difficult place if people won't accept the the government's version of disclosure. You know, I mean, what if they said, yeah, we've got all you know all these bodies from Roswell and everywhere else. But alien abductions is just dreams. It's not. It's nightmares in people's heads. You know. Again, you'd have that position of people saying it's not real disclosure. So, you know, if it comes, there's going to be problems based on what the government says it actually knows. Well, one one thing that is very intriguing to me is the cast of characters that now have been uh, publicly identified by DeLong. Uh, which includes some pretty interesting uh, individuals, uh, uh, including Hal Putoff, uh, who I was a little bit surprised to see uh, allowing his name to be attached to, you know, this kind of 
ex sort of grade B rock stars uh, company. Uh, what do you make of the of the actual participants involved in this, Nick? Uh, we got some pretty high powered individuals. Well, no, you're right. I mean, I think the important thing to note is that there are some um, high profile, high power figures in it, but we're talking about something that deals with sort of future alternative technologies and things like that. So they are the kind of people that you would perhaps have on board, but that's not what we were told that Delonge was going to be involved in when he first came on board. Um, so in other words, it doesn't surprise me that this program with alternative technologies, et cetera, et cetera, would have such people on board. But I think that makes perfect common sense. But as I said, that isn't what people were expecting the unveiling was going to be. I know from speaking to most people I spoke to that they thought what was going to happen was that there was going to be like an announcement that Delange and, you know, people attached to him had these insider sources and it was going to be like a vehicle to get this information out there and it would be a form of disclosure. Well, it's nothing to do with disclosure at all. Even the issue of advanced technologies, you know, there's no solid illusion that it's connected to alien technology. Right. We'll have more about this, but then we're going to go into shapeshifters. Nick Redfern, Gene Steinberg, Chris O'Brien, you're in the Paracast. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items and entails T-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast jumbo tote bag, all sorts of T-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour. Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with ReputationDefender.com. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with ReputationDefender.com. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation. Analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with ReputationDefender.com. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Or visit ReputationDefender.com. 
Fully cooked, ready-to-eat bacon. I'm talking thick, meaty, center-cut, presidential bacon. Savory and delicious. I buy some, I use some, I store some. Awesome. No refrigeration needed with a 10-year shelf life. NASA pack technology. Bacon. Fully cooked, fully hydrated, ready-to-eat right from the pack bacon. Or warm and served. Life-saving, ready-to-eat bacon. 10-year shelf life bacon. Ships free at FullyCookedBacon.com. FullyCookedBacon.com. Are you still looking for that one iodine that you can really trust? A medical doctor-endorsed product that is backed by honest research and true integrative science. Then search no further. Go to Nutramedical.com for Dr. Bill Deagle's Nutriodine, proven time and time again to be the very best iodine available for you. Nutriodine is the only Tesla-activated monatomic plasma iodine in the world. It optimizes mitochondrial function and generation of new mitochondria from totally neutralized the venom from a desert recluse spider bite in Southern California to eliminating malaria parasites reported by medical missionaries in Central India. Dr. Bill's Nutriodine is simply the most powerful healing formula there is. Nutriodine clears the body of all known pathogens, restores it to an alkaline state, and even promotes stem cell regeneration. Order Dr. Bill's Nutriodine today at 888-212-8871 or visit us online at Nutramedical.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I'm here to tell you about GCNTelecare.com, a team of board-certified doctors assisting you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. Within 15 minutes of registration, care your family can afford. Revolutionizing the healthcare industry, virtual consulting, providing diagnosis of non-emergency medical issues by phone or secure video on computer or smart mobile devices. GCNTelecare.com, virtual care anywhere. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. We're talking about Nick Redfern's book on shapeshifters, but let's get through this first, all the stuff about alleged disclosure. What also surprised me, and Paul Kimball has been ragging on her, I think, for this and other reasons, is that Leslie Kane glommed on to this Tom DeLong story in an article at HuffPost. And I kind of wondered about that because I didn't think of her as a person who'd get really interested by this. I haven't seen the article, but I mean, what I would say, I think why the whole issue of disclosure is so appealing to a lot, a lot of people is because after 70 years of no proof coming through, I think people view it as sort of the, the last chance to get the proof we're looking for. In other words, you know, it's kind of like the one thing that could blow the whole thing wide open would be disclosure. So I think that's why, even though I don't think it's coming, even I acknowledge that disclosure is the thing that could open the doors. And I think that's why people find it so appealing and why they're so drawn to it, because it's the make-or-break thing. And I think for that reason, more than anything else, that's why people are driven to it, because since 47, the government hasn't come clean, and also the intelligences behind the UFO phenomenon, the real UFO phenomenon, they haven't, you know, sort of landed on the White House lawn or there hasn't been some 
widespread sudden appearance in the skies of thousands of UFOs. That hasn't happened either. So in other words, nobody is disclosing us or them. And people, I think, as you know, as they get older and they, they see time running away from them, they get more and more driven towards, well, we've got to get disclosure because you know, in 20 years or whatever, they're going to be 95 or something and, and they won't have got the answers. So I think I think that's why it's so appealing to so many because it, it doesn't promise we're going to get answers, but it's the one way conceivably that we could get answers. So that's why people are driven to it like a magnet, you know. Well, I think at this point in my age, I have to say that unless it happens real soon, I won't be around to see it. Not that people my age are old anymore. You know, I run across people in their 80s and 90s routinely yeah. now. So I expect that, you know, I'll be around and maybe there will yeah. be disclosure, but probably there will be self-driving cars first so I can get around when I can't drive anymore. <laughs> well, you know, I think the important thing to sort of realize, and, and, and he's like a, it's like a realization, is that regardless of who says what or you know, the promise of this or the promise of that, nothing has ever come through. You know, I mean, I've been to conferences in the past, 2001 and two, where people were saying, I've got insider sources, you know, and it's coming in 2002. 2002 comes around, it's coming in 2003. And this kept going on and on. In other words, the likelihood we won't is that we won't get disclosure. And why I say that is because you just have to look at the past. It hasn't happened despite all these promises. So why should we even assume that it's going to happen after all that? You know, uh, my view is that nobody delivered on it because nobody can deliver on it. And the chances are nobody will deliver on it. Because the way I look at it is the big question that often doesn't get asked. It's not a matter of whether we get disclosure. It's what benefits the people hiding it to disclose. You know, and if they have nothing solid or beneficial to them to disclose, they won't disclose. So I think the important thing is to think about that. Is there a reason why, from their perspective, that they should disclose? And if there isn't, they probably won't. You know? So I don't know what's going to happen with this crowdsourcing project from Tom DeLong. I don't think it got a lot of coverage. And the reason why I think it didn't was purely and simply because it was not what everybody was initially led to think it was. Yeah, advanced technologies, alternative technologies, you know, new ways of, radical ways of, you know, introducing new technologies. That's all cool stuff. But, you know, it's nothing to do with releasing, you know, the files on Roswell or the files on the Cash Landrum case or what the government knows about abductions. Regardless of what we've got now, that is what people thought were coming. That is well, what people I, were led to think was coming. <laughs> I, I kind of disagree a little bit, Nick. I've been saying all along that it's just uh, another way for someone to attempt to monetize the subject and to uh, to make money. So it met, met with my expectations 100%. Well, well, I mean, that may be the case in in some cases, but I mean, you know, with Delange, I mean, I mean, Blink-182, you know, were and still are a, a huge band, you know, sold in the millions, literally millions of copies. So, 
I don't see him as being someone who needs to um, do what he's doing. I mean, it's not like most bands who, you know, go on until they're 70, you know, or the, like the Rolling Stones or, you know, bands like Aerosmith who announced not too long ago, you know, their farewell tour when they're sort of pushing 70. You know, he's he's what? late 30s, early 40s, something like that, maybe. So in other words, he's, as a rock star, he could continue doing that for years and and still have a massive income. So I, now I'm not saying there aren't people in disclosure who, you know, see the monetary angle of it, but I don't see that with him. I actually do think he has a, a genuine interest, but um, I don't see his, him as someone who is short on pennies, you know. Well, you know, with rock and roll, you never know. Some of these people just live beyond their means. He's 41, and he'll be 42 on December 13. And I did find a story in a site called The AV Club. Tom DeLong is crowdsourcing a spaceship. Oh, well. And remember, he's a former member of Blink-182, so we don't know how much money he actually pulled in. It's possible he didn't pull much at all. I was being kind of facetious. I mean, their sort of big album that they kicked off in the late 90s called Enema of the State, I mean, that that was a huge seller. That was like, you know, gigantic in the UK where I was still living at the time. Um, So, you know, and and it's only been a couple of years since he quit the band. So, you know, we're talking about 13, 14 years of, of being an extremely successful band. So... Like you said, I mean, unless somebody really lives beyond their means, I, I honestly don't think, you know, he's short of cash. Yeah, I was actually being a, a bit cynical, and uh, uh, I didn't really mean that literally, that he needs money. But I do think that the un, the underpinnings of this whole thing does, I think, revolve around monetizing uh, the subject, whether he's doing it for his own personal enrichment or for other maybe more altruistic uh, motivations i'm not sure but but i just you know it's hard not to be uh you know to get a little cynical when you're when you're dealing with uh, this subject and and in the way that the greers and the uh you know some of the people in this field uh, that are obviously in it for personal enrichment uh, under the guise of being real genuine and and having uh, you know genuine motivations we have more to come with Nick, Gene, and Chris. You're in the Paracaster. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Anytime, any place, anywhere, radio remains the most intimate of all forms of media. At home, at work, in the car, on smartphones. Over 90% of consumers still listen to radio every week. That makes choosing radio as a place to advertise your business one of the best decisions you can make. Email advertise at GCNlive.com and partner up with an experienced GCN representative. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. 
This just in, before your doctor gives you another antibiotic prescription that you don't want, get this free report, The Miracle of Garlic, Your First Home Medicine. This free report is filled with easy kitchen remedies for common colds, flus, sore throats, ear infections, and more. Plus, learn to boost your immunity before you get sick. Go now to GCNWellness.com, just like it sounds, GCNWellness.com to get your free report, The Miracle of Garlic. Click GCNWellness.com. Are you happy washing your hands with harsh chemicals? Are you happy doing laundry with detergents? Are you happy paying high prices? Find your happiness with Pure Soap. These all-natural, earth-friendly Pure Soaps are the very best you've ever used. Buy in bulk. Get a 12, 36, or 48-month supply. Or get items individually and still save big. You're getting soap products twice as good as what you're using now. Earth-friendly and natural soaps. Your family deserves the best. Happiness is 5starsoap.com. Why not put your money up the drain for a change? See them at 5starsoap.com or call 1-800-340-7091 for a catalog. Calben Soap Company can save you thousands of dollars and give you good old-fashioned real soaps that are triple concentrated. Soaps made from vegetable and coconut oils. See their full selection of soaps at 5starsoap.com. That's F-I-V-E starsoap.com. Or call 1-800-340-7091 for a catalog. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com, and use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. Heart disease is on the rise. Clogged arteries, high blood pressure, and high cholesterol levels may not be fully detected by you, but the symptoms are there. Loss of energy, blood sugar spikes and drops, poor circulation, and irregular heartbeat are just a few of these that can alert you that something is wrong. Hear how heart and body extract is making a difference in thousands of people's lives across America. My blood pressure has normalized. My diabetes has totally improved. Everyone is telling me now how much healthier I look, and I'm telling everyone how much healthy I feel. I recommend heart and body extract to everyone. Anybody over 40 in the North American continent should be using this product as a preventative to keep their cardiovascular system healthy. Order your two-month supply today by calling 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. Or order online, hbextract.com. Heart and body extract, 866-295-5305. Or hbextract.com. Hi, this is Joshua P. Warren, author of The Poor Man's Paranormal, and you're listening to The Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Enough of disclosure. Gone. Kaput. 
Not going to happen in my lifetime. I don't, I don't think it'll happen, but I, I seriously don't think we've finished with the subject. I think somebody's going to come forward in the next few months, a year, whatever, and say, oh, yeah, you know, disclosure's still on target. I've spoke to a high-ranking general, etc., etc." Whether they have or not, in some cases they may well have, but, you know, I think a lot of this is sort of dangling a carrot in front of ufology to make it look stupid when ufologists say, oh, I've been told it's coming, then it doesn't. I think there's that part to it as well, like the anticipation. And, you know, maybe there are genuine leaks or leaks that appear genuine, I should say, put out to fire up ufology. And then when it never happens, people get cynical, they get sceptical, and they move away from the subject because nothing happens. And so I th- I wouldn't be surprised if there isn't like an orchestrated program somewhere on the inside to say, hey, you know, it's time to tell the guys again that disclosures come in and we'll just disillusion them a bit more and a few people will walk away from it. I wouldn't be surprised if that doesn't go on as well a bit. The book from Nick Redfern is called Shapeshifters, Morphing Monsters and Changing Cryptids. And one review on Amazon kind of sums it up. We live in a strange, strange world. <laughs> Do you explore the original legends where these things emerge from in this book? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of books have been written over the years of shapeshifters with the, you know, the, the vast majority of them focusing on tales of werewolves. Now, if you're going to do a book on shapeshifters, you've got to have at least a couple of chapters in there on shapeshifters. And I've got I've got the first three chapters in the book do deal with that angle, you know, going back to sort of ancient tales, folklore, myths and legends of werewolves in the classic imagery that people talk about, you know, shapeshifting, full moons, silver bullets, the whole thing. But a lot of it is sort of based in, you know, folklore and mythology. But what I didn't want to do was just sort of go over all ground and just write a history of werewolves because you would just be using, you know, the same old cases over and over again. So what I did was to sort of dig into a lot of my files where I got some really weird stories where people had said they'd seen um, shapeshifters in terms in relation to cryptozoology, to the UFO subject, um, even to in relation to men in black cases. But in a lot of these reports that I've got, which I talk about in the book, um, the shapeshift, shapeshifting isn't, you know, sort of like, um, you know, some guy bursting out of his clothes and, you know, sprouting hair and fangs at the sight of a full moon and slaughtering a bunch of kids in the woods. You know, it's actually, most of the cases aren't like that. It's almost what we might call like an energy-based shift where these things can perhaps somehow alter their, either either alter their appearance to where we perceive them as having shape-shifted, you know, where maybe they have the ability to make us see what they want us to see. Or the idea of sort of the manipulation of matter even, for the most part, you know, witnesses aren't talking about the traditional angle of, like, as I said, you know, that you would expect, expect to see some, you know, like the Underworld movies or American Werewolf in London. There are very few cases like that, but there is still what we would call shape-shifting, but it's, it's kind of alternative to what most people's perceptions really are. Did you happen to catch the article that came out uh, a couple, three days ago 
about um, the recent appearance of the monarch uh, in England, uh, Queen Elizabeth. All of a sudden, uh, the Twitter was overrun with people claiming that as they were watching her on some TV coverage, all of a sudden people were freaking out saying that, that she had shape-shifted uh, momentarily into a reptilian form. And I forget what the uh, the Twitter tag was. It was hashtag uh, reptilian queen became one of the top 10 Twitter uh whatever they call tweets or whatever, or buzzes uh, for a period of time after this allegedly occurred. Did you hear about that? What do you think of that? Yeah, I did. But, you know, I mean, it's one of these things where it's almost like too good to be true. You know, I, I, I would, you know, I'm sort of sitting back and waiting for the whole thing to come tumbling out one way or another. Personally, you know, I don't think the royal family are flesh-eating reptiles at all. I, I have no—I should stress—I have no love for the royal family. I think they're outmoded, outdated, and they just really exist to bring tourism and you know the monetary aspect of tourism to feed the country, so to speak, or the economy. Because you know we have a prime minister, which is like the equivalent of a president. It's not like the queen or the royal family rule the the country you know the we have political parties conservatives and labor predominantly that's that run the country so you know in other words for me i i think they should be abolished uh, i don't, i think you know the concept of a royal family is just so outdated there's just they just exist for no reason really so i'm not a fan of them but i don't think they're sort of flesh flesh eating reptiles either then no they just eat money David Icke is one of the people responsible for this reptilian stuff. Well, he is in relation to, you know, the, this, the royal family angle, etc. But, I mean, throughout history, you can find tales of, um, you know, of reptilian-type creatures. I mean, a good example, if you look at sort of Mesoamerican history, you know, Quetzalcoatl, you know, was like a, has been sort of perceived as like a, a reptilian-type creature. Um, you know, you can find um, stories kind of similar, like lizard people and so on, you know, throughout, um, you know, a lot of 40 and history. But as interesting as this breaking story is, you know, um, I wouldn't be at all surprised if it comes down to the fact that, you know, if somebody's got the footage or whatever, that it'll be manipulated footage. You know, sometimes these stories are interesting. Sometimes they're too good to be true, you know. Obviously, we know, of course, that the monarchy in Great Britain is certainly outmoded. There's another story, by the way. Is Mark Zuckerberg actually a lizard? <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> I should stress, I actually, you know, don't really put any faith, for the most part, in the angle of, you know, people shape-shifting into um, lizards. I mean, you know, we're talking about, we're not talking about a strange creature that can alter its form. We're talking about people that can take on the forms of reptilians. That's where I have the problem with. I mean, because I actually do have some cases in the book where people saw, like, a, a strange creature morph into a reptilian and then morph into something else. But there was no human component. But that, and that's the thing that makes me very sceptical about these shape-shifting reptilians in the royal family is we're expected to believe that human beings can transform into reptiles and for me that's that's sort of too far yeah it's too far too extreme the idea that a human being 
could take on the form of a reptilian. But I'm quite unminded on the idea that some of the paranormal things I talk about in the book could take on the form of, of a reptilian. So either it's not true, which I don't think it is, or, you know, the only way I could see that the royal family could turn into reptiles would be if they weren't human to begin with, but they clearly are. <laughs> well, I remember in the TV show True Blood, which you may or may not have seen, we'll have to break in a moment, the way they do it there is they would apparently take their clothes off because it was kind of a raunchy R-rated show, and then they'd become whatever they're going to become. But there was no limit in what the shapeshifter could become. It could become a werewolf, a wolf. It could become a bird. It could mm-hmm. become all sorts of things. We have all sorts of things, by the way, on the After the Paracast podcast, an exclusive feature of the Paracast Plus. To learn more about it, go to plus.theparacast.com. Plus.theparacast.com. Shapeshifting is our subject with Nick Redfern. With Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists, get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and sling bows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow, a new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. Advertising your business with GCN is simple, effective, and more affordable than you might think. Visit advertise.gcnlive.com for more info. Take your business to the next level. That's advertise.gcnlive.com. ProPure water filters. Most trusted, most tested. Right now, you can save 25% on the ProPure Nomad Gravity System. Visit an authorized ProPure dealer for details. That's P-R-O-P-U-R.
This just in, before your doctor gives you another antibiotic prescription that you don't want, get this free report, The Miracle of Garlic, Your First Home Medicine. This free report is filled with easy kitchen remedies for common colds, flus, sore throats, ear infections, and more. Plus, learn to boost your immunity before you get sick. Go now to GCNWellness.com, just like it sounds, GCNWellness.com to get your free report, The Miracle of Garlic. Click GCNWellness.com. It's been said, any society is only three missed meals away from chaos. Those times may be near. Think about it. Our country faces multiple terrorist threats and aggressions from Russia and North Korea. Social unrest and violent marches yet again may lead to looting of stores and city shutdowns. And our crumbling infrastructure leaves our power grid vulnerable to long-term outages from a single cyber attack. When the chaos from any one of these threats arises, the government knows it can't provide during a widespread national emergency. That's why you need your own plan for self-reliance. That's where My Patriot Supply comes in. Get a four-week survival food supply for only $99. That includes breakfast, lunches, and dinners. Order online at preparewithgcn.com. $99 for four weeks of survival food that tastes like homemade cooking and lasts up to 25 years from My Patriot Supply. Get your kits today at preparewithgcn.com. Free shipping is included. Preparewithgcn.com. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. This is Jacques Vallée, and you're listening to the podcast, The Gold Standard of Paranormal Radio. Now, I was expecting Chris to howl like a wolf. <laughs> Werewolves of London. I like that song, though. The one from Warren Zevon. Except I always had the impression when I heard that song that he was kind of making it up as he was singing it. Don't know if I get that impression. All right, let's move into it. There is, however, a mental illness or something where someone is a lycanthrope, where actually they well, believe they turn into wolves. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's basically, you know, a situation where you have this uh, sort of psychological condition where people, you know, over the centuries have believed they've transformed not just into sort of wolves, but... Um, into numerous different types of animals. Um, for example, in um, West Africa, you know, they have these leopard cults where in some cases, you know, they, they dress up in leopard skins and, you know, they fashion these leopard claws. But in other cases, they really believe, you know, they get into altered states. They believe they can take on the form of a leopard, but they're actually not physically changing. It's like a, it's a radical alteration in the mind. You know, you can look at some of these stories of werewolves from the Middle Ages where, you know, they were slaughtering children, etc., where they were clearly deranged serial killers who believed, you know, they they were transforming into various animals, including wolves. So, you know, I, there's no doubt that certainly some of the, the stories of werewolves in the distant past and, you know, up until 
1500s, etc., were people with deranged, you know, mental states. It's an important part of the story because it demonstrates this other side of shape-shifting, you know, the idea that you actually don't change, but you, you believe you're changing. And, of course, people in that state can be highly dangerous. And, you know, it's a fascinating part of shape-shifting, but which has its origins in the world of medicine rather than in the world of the paranormal. You know, there's there's various reasons as to what might have caused, you know, someone to change. I mean, one example would be like ergot. You know, if you get that into your system, that can cause graphic hallucinations. And, you know, people do believe, you know, they're sort of transforming into bizarre creatures. And we don't really fully know why that is the response and the reaction that people have, you know. But, but they do have it. So um, it's important to sort of make a distinction between what may be a supernatural change versus just some crazy guy rampaging through the woods and killing people, which a lot of those earlier cases were, you know. Also, I wonder here if this is a symptom of some kind of multiple personality disorder where someone doesn't physically change. They simply seem to become someone else and behave like somebody else. Then again, we can consider the strange case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde to be a shapeshifter because you had two different men with somewhat different appearances as Dr. Henry Jekyll and, of course, Mr. Hyde. Well, yeah, and I mean, I mean, a good example like that, you know, when you talk about multiple personalities, you could have a multiple personality where one is more sort of animalistic. I mean, one of the most sort of infamous werewolves, if you like, of all time was a guy named Peter Stubb. Uh, who lived in Germany, and he was responsible for killing no end of young children, and he became known uh, as a werewolf. I mean, the, you know, the, that's literally what he became known as within Germany, this sort of deranged uh, serial killer in the 1500s. But there was a, a werewolf angle to it where he believed that he had this girdle that he would put around his middle, and then when he put it tied together, he supposedly changed into like a werewolf, and his body would be covered in fur, his hands would turn into paws with talons, and his face changed to like a wolf-like muzzle, kind of like a German shepherd. Now, there's no evidence that anybody saw him changing like that. Those were the rumours, and that's what he claimed. But if you read the story carefully... It's clear that he was the only one who ever definitively recognized the fact that he was changing. So everybody else kind of, you know, saw him as this deranged character roaming the woods. So, you know, I think cases like this, you know, multiple personalities, you know, where one personality is human and one is more savage, you know, that, that I think that actually ties in in some way with, you know, people have multiple personalities today, but for the most part, they're human personalities but the idea that you could have multiple personalities and one or more of them being a savage creature you know i think is not not an impossibility well i certainly wonder how far afield this gets now we think in terms of shapeshifters well werewolves certainly mm. and we think of birds of some sort but what range of creatures do we see in reports of shapeshifting well, yeah, I mean, they, to talk about some sort of really weird ones, which really, unless they're hoaxes, and I don't believe they are, 
you know, the only pathway they can go down is the paranormal pathway. I mean, I'll give you an example which actually ties in with a um, reptilian angle, which I don't dismiss because the other form was also supernatural. It actually came from a woman I interviewed when I was at the, um, the 2016 Mothman Festival in Point Pleasant. Um, you know, you've got a table there and people come up to you and share stories. And um, a woman came up to me, this was on the second day of the conference, and said, you know, can I talk to you about something that happened to me? I said, well, yeah, sure. And it was a case involving the black-eyed children, which, you know, have these sort of semi-MIB type overtones attached to them, you know, these pale-faced kids who knock on people's doors late at night, try and find a way into the home, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and their kind of modus operandi, so to speak, is quite similar to the men in black. And, of course, you know, they wear black hoodies, they look pale, and they try and find a way in, which is all characteristic of the men in black and the women in black stories too. And I expected that that was what the story was going to be, you know, because having written several books on the MIB, I just assumed she wanted to share a story related, you know, to to a a semi-connected angle, namely the black-eyed children. But the more she got into the story, I realized that it was going in a different direction. And she said that there was a knock on the door late at night and, you know, it was sort of 10 or 11 at night and, made a jump out of her skin. You was like, who the hell's that? So she went to the spy hole. And as she looked through the, the spy hole, the front door, she saw these two creepy kids dressed in black, looking really pale with their heads face down so that, you know, they couldn't actually, she couldn't actually see the faces properly. But then uh, they looked up as if they had responded to her presence. And they saw, she saw the solid black eyes, which terrified her. And from there, she said, suddenly, they kind of, uh, like, shimmered in a heat haze. You know, when you're driving in the, in, on the road and the, the road's red hot and you kind of get that shimmering effect. It was like that. And she said they literally transformed into, like, seven-foot-tall to eight-foot-tall reptilian-type creatures and then vanished. She was, like, plunged into a state of, like, complete hysteria, she said, and... um and she was still traumatized by it, you know, long after she told me the story. Of course, one of the big ironies was that it actually happened in Point Pleasant, you know, which is home to the Mothman, you know, another weird creature. When we were sat there, you know, chatting about it, she didn't come across as anyone, you know, didn't come across crazy, didn't ask for money or anything to tell the story. She just genuinely was worried and wanted answers, you know, could I help her with any answers. But I mean, that's a classic example of where. I think it's more feasible where you have a a creature that is already paranormally themed to begin with, namely the black-eyed children, and then takes on another um, shape-shifting form. You know, when it begins as something that's non-human, I think that makes it more viable, you know, in in terms of having the ability to take on multiple forms. I mean, I, I know... You know, Chris will know this with his research as well. I mean, the the skinwalker, you know, can take on multiple forms and has these, you know, definitive kind of paranormal aspects to it. So I think, you know, this this story, I included it because it was such a fascinating and weird one, an alternative that people just probably wouldn't have heard of before. You know, the idea of the black-eyed children being shapeshifters, which makes me wonder, what is their real form? You know, have we ever seen them in their real form? No. You mentioned skinwalkers, Nick. Uh, 
were you able to uh, come up with uh, any new sets of information about them? There's really not that much out there uh, if you attempt to to research the subject. Diné cultures, the Navajo and Apache, are quite superstitious and, and very uh, closed-mouthed about about a lot of that information. I did give an overview of the um, skinwalker issue, you know, the, the phenomenon. But, yeah, you're right, I didn't really come up with anything new on that particular aspect at all, but I felt, you know, I had to include it. We've got yeah. more to come on Shapeshifters with Nick Redfern, Gene and Chris. You're in. The for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com. Dr. Carolyn Dean wants you to have a free chapter of her new book, The Magnesium Miracle, second edition. And it's available at magmiracle.com. In your free chapter, Dr. Carolyn Dean explains how magnesium is essential to support the structure and function and overall health of your body. Your free chapter is your guide to learn how to support your heart, bone, metabolic, lung, and mental health with this powerful mineral. The Magnesium Miracle, second edition is available on Amazon. But right now, get a free chapter at magmiracle.com. Spelled M-A-G-Miracle.com. Want revenge on the common housefly? Well, after 10,000 years, someone has finally come up with a better way. The Bug Assault, a miniaturized shotgun, which utilizes ordinary table salt as ammunition. Non-toxic and no batteries required. $39.95 plus shipping and handling. Use discount code GCN and receive 15% off your purchase at BugAssault.com. Fire your fly swatter and get your Bug Assault today. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We've got Nick Redfern. The book is about shapeshifters with Gene and Chris looking over all the possibilities. Now, obviously, shapeshifting is just used everywhere. In comic books, it's used. There's a character called Martian Manhunter. That can assume any shape. They even have a version of that on TV. So everywhere you look, shape-shifting is fairly common. But it creates the ultimate paranoia, too, which is if someone or something can change its shape, you may be talking to somebody you know, but that person is really who knows what. Well, 
I mean, I've got a few stories like that where, you know, people have said they were talking to someone and they kind of shimmered and, and changed slightly. Not sort of, you know, massively, but to the point where uh, I've got one case, for example, which, which isn't in the book, but uh, it's one case that was given to me uh, literally within a week of when the book came out. And the witness said that uh, she saw this or talking to this guy and it was she was actually sit, sat in Central Park and he came and sat next to her and got in, got her engaged in a conversation it seemed to be like a casual conversation about UFOs which she had a deep interest in they got talking and she, you know she was a little bit excited and intrigued but also kind of concerned by the fact that of all people possible you know he come and sat by her and then started a conversation about ufos and she said he looked completely normal but then suddenly she described almost as like a dizzy spell as if like he kind of shook but like impossibly fast you know if you shook your hand really fast and it blurred it was like that for about two or three seconds and she said he looked the same but he looked a lot thinner and his his face was sort of pale and his hair had gone from being sort of normal to looking like really greasy and oily and dirty she said that he had like a almost like a shocked look on his face as if he realized that she realized that he just kind of morphed a little bit and she got up and left she was like in shock so you know cases like that where you have someone who seems to you know sort of change but not change you know to the extent of the traditional folklore but it is still a kind of shape-shifting, you know. It's a shame I didn't have that one in time for the book because it was like a really kind of creepy story, you know. Well, I can take my magic ring and say Shazam and become someone else. <laughs> you see, shape-shifting but, is common in the comic books. You know, I want to ask you here, what is the most unusual creature said to be a shape-shifter? Oh, well, I mean, the one that perhaps a lot of people don't think of, which is a phenomenon that I've got probably 15 or 16 stories related to, is in relation to Bigfoot, of all things. Now, most cryptozoologists take the view that the Bigfoot creatures are the unknown or unclassified equivalent of something like a North uh, African gorilla or whatever, you know. Uh, they're just some type of ape that we haven't found yet, um, classified, etc., etc. But if you look at Bigfoot history, you do find a lot of really weird cases where People claim that they've seen Bigfoot vanish in a flash of light or it's kind of like just melted away. People claim that these things are impervious to bullets, that, you know, they have this one, here one second, gone the next second angle to them. But there's also this shapeshifter angle. Now, I'll give you one example of how this kind of works. Um, I live just outside the city of Dallas. Now, if I drive about four or five hours, maybe a little bit more sort of south, you reach the city of Houston. Well, east of Houston, about 40 miles, you've got a massive area of forest land called the Big Thicket. You know, everybody thinks Texas is like desert and, and cactus. It's not. You know, you get outside Dallas and you're heading towards Louisiana. The forests there are gigantic. Uh, you know, it's different trees, obviously, to what you get in the Pacific Northwest, but it's still, you know, gigantic forest land crossing with marshland and swampy land as well. Now, the big thicket has a road that runs through it 
called Bragg Road, but the locals either refer to it as Ghost Road or Ghost Light Road, depending on who you ask. And they call it that because throughout the last few centuries, people who've lived in that area, including the original settlers, reported seeing these strange balls of light flitting through the big uh, thicket and also particularly along this stretch known as Bragg Road. And people said, you know, they've seen them any size from like a tennis ball to like a beach ball. But there are a few cases on record from people in that area who said that they saw one of these balls of light morph into like a seven to eight foot tall Bigfoot and also vice versa. And there are a few cases like that that I also talk about in the book where balls of light transformed into other creatures where one where it turned into like this sort of writhing, wriggly, worm-type creature. But the, the Bigfoot ones are kind of the most controversial because you've got something the size of like a ball of light, which appears to be some kind of intelligent energy because they certainly react to the presence of people, sometimes moving closer, sometimes moving away as you approach them. So that there seems to be an intelligence there. But the idea of, you know, a ball of energy, an intelligent ball of energy the size of a tennis ball, suddenly morphing into a, an eight-foot-tall, Bigfoot-type creature, you know, that's kind of beyond our physics and reality to even comprehend it. But the important thing is there are more than a few independent cases that absolutely are almost identical in, in nature and, and appearance. Uh, in, in these kinds of stories, Nick, as as you probably uh, found out, are more common than than you would actually suspect. Uh, uh, in the Southwest, uh, in particular, um, I, I've run into a number of accounts uh, of people claiming uh, humans, uh, witches, in in their uh, description, uh, 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 sort of transforming or, or mutating into balls of energy. And vice versa. There is uh, a tradition, you know, in southern Colorado, northern New Mexico, among the Hispanic uh, population of of witches when they're in a hurry, uh, being able to um, turn into balls of light so that they can zip uh, from where they are to a destination uh, where they have to get get there quickly. And, um, you know, these stories, you know, you try to obviously research them and try to come up with a I don't know, some sort of um, historical, uh, try to track them down. You know, where, where did these uh, traditions begin? Um, how long have they been around? Um, is there any, uh, you know, how many kinds of variations do you have? And, and they, they generally do tend to, to be fairly consistent uh, in terms of, of the details. Uh, you know, people explaining, you know, often asked, you know, well, where did you first hear about this? And of course, oftentimes it's a grandparent that would uh, mention this uh, initially. But did did you find that that there is a uh, uh, there appears to be kind of a traditional uh, set of knowledge that 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 tends to be quite similar from uh, from region to region or from uh, type to type? Well, yes, certainly. You know, with the with these balls of light, I mean, you can find stories like this everywhere. For example. I mean, fairies were noted, you know, for being shapeshifters. Um, I'm not talking like sort of the traditional Christmas card image that people have today of fairies. You know, you go back 500 years, they were quite sinister, dwarfish, wizened, old, creepy-looking characters that would sort of live in, you know, underground or under mounds and things like that. And, of course, you know, 
not only were fairies said to be shapeshifters, but you, you, they got people off to see this, these so-called fairy lights around them and things like that. Another example, which is another creepy one, is uh, comes from England in relation to a crop circle. A friend of mine, Matthew Williams, was in a crop circle back in the 1990s and saw these three balls of light, small balls of light, approach the crop circle in a triangular formation. And we get a lot of these balls of light seen in relation to crop circles in England. This was sort of the dead of night, you know, no illumination other than these um, three lights, which hovered over the crop circle, then dropped to the ground. And then within seconds, Matthew heard like this rustling as if the corn was being sort of torn up and twisted and moved. Uh, he was with a, uh, with a friend and they suddenly heard this sort of deep, sort of dangerous sounding growl, almost as if the ball of light had, had descended into the field and then transformed into some sort of creature which they couldn't see, but they just, you know, fled, fled the air at high speed. More to come with Nick Redfern and Gina and Chris, you're in The Paracast. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attention type 2 diabetics. If you or a loved one has taken Invokana, Invokamet, or Invokamet XR or other inhibitors for type 2 diabetes and suffered amputation of the toes, feet, or legs, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. The FDA has warned that Invokana, Invokamet, or Invokamet XR and other inhibitors for type 2 diabetes cause an increased role in amputations of the toes, feet, and legs. If you or a loved one has taken Invokana, Invokamet, or Invokamet XR or other inhibitors, for type 2 diabetes and suffered amputation of the toes, feet, or legs, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. Act now. Time is limited to file a claim. For a free consultation and free information, call Injury Help Desk at 800-475-7607. That's 800-475-7607. Again, 800-475-7607. Call now. This is an advertisement paid non-attorney spokesperson. www.injuryhelpdesk.com is responsible for this advertisement. Principal Office, Las Vegas, Nevada. Hello, Mr. Anderson. The NSA has noticed how much time you spend on conservative news sites. We have no choice but to consider you a domestic terrorist. Tired of your internet activity being monitored by Big Brother? Get VirtualShield.com, the world's easiest to use virtual private network. Browse the web anonymously, leaving pesky advertisers and spies in the dust. Get started today at VirtualShield.com. Take advantage of our free 30-day trial. VirtualShield.com. You have the right to remain private.
Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap, even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you can move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed; it's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee, so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever: you can buy one of my pillows and get one absolutely free. Go to mypillow.com or call 800-870-0305 and use promo code GCN. That's mypillow.com or 800-870-0305 with promo code GCN. In an emergency, you need a fire now. But what if the wood is wet? No problem for InstaFire. Our non-toxic fire starter packs lights wet wood, floats, and can even burn on water or in any weather. Sustains winds up to 30 miles per hour, and each pouch weighs only 1.75 ounces. Need an emergency or camp stove? Get the InstaFire Inferno stove that boils 20 ounces of water in under 3 minutes with controllable heat and temps from 425 to 1500 degrees. Free shipping. Go to InstaFire.com and use discount code RADIO30 up to 3 times for 30% off your order. InstaFire. Fire in an instant. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. I just think Chris is about to turn. Any time now. I have no idea what he'll become. Nick Redfern, please continue the story. Well, yeah, Matthew and um, his, uh, he was in the field with a friend. They just, you know, fled the area at high speed, not sure what this was. One of the interesting things is I've probably got four or five cases, and I know a guy named Marcus Matthews who wrote a book called Big Cats in Britain has reports too. People who claim to have seen the so-called alien big cats in crop circles, you know, these out-of-place, mysterious, large black cats that people report all across the U.K., every year and we never catch them and people have seen them in crop circles so i do wonder granted it is speculation admittedly i do wonder if these balls of light they hit the field that matthew was in and then there was this sudden growl even though they couldn't see anything you know is it possible that the lights had transformed into these you know these black cats that people have, have legitimately seen in crop circles and the other one that i talk about in the book which is very similar relates to the contactee movements. Not one of the sort of the, the most famous contactees of the 1950s, but a guy who was sort of in the second wave, so to speak, named Orfeo Angelucci. He claimed that in the early 50s, he had the you know, these UFO sightings and then encounters with the entities on the UFOs, like the classic Space Brothers, when it all began. And he claimed that his experiences all, for the most part, occurred near an old bridge um, in Los Angeles, and that um, he would feel compelled to go out to this old bridge, you know, go under the lower part of it and just wait in the darkness. And in his book, uh, he actually wrote several books, but in one of his books, uh, I think it's the, the Son of the Sun, it talks about how he would wait for the Space Brothers to turn up. When they arrived, they would not arrive in like a gleaming flying saucer out of the sky. He would see these little balls of light come towards him. 
they would sort of speak to him in his mind and then the balls of light would transform into like the classic space brother you know with the long blonde hair and the tight fitting flight suit kind of thing and looking very human like but also slightly not quite human and angelucci you know spoke quite extensively as to how they would sort of change form from something that was physical and looked to be flesh and blood into a ball of light and then they would exit by turning again into a ball of light and then shooting away into the sky. You know, people might say, well, this is just totally outlandish and impossible. But the important thing is, you know, you've got different countries and cultures. You've got Los Angeles with Orfeo Angelucci. You've got the big thickets in Texas, and you've got crop circles in England, all tied to balls of light taking on different forms. And I think that's an important thing when you know the scope and scale of this particular aspect of shapeshifting. Okay, this is what I wonder about here, whether UFOs themselves are examples of shapeshifting, as you're talking about there. What we see is a flying craft. That's not what it really is. It's for our benefit or the best we can detect based on the well, limits of our senses. And the same thing would be true about the entities, and that even goes back to the movie Contact, where the Jodie Foster character meets what might be E.T., and he says, I'm coming to you in the form of your father so you can accept my appearance. Yeah, that's a good point you bring up. Because I'll tell you for why, because if you look at most of the UFO reports on record, and certainly the vast majority of the photographs, yes, there are a lot of pictures, photos of UFOs that look similar, but there's always something that's a bit different. And the idea that every UFO that visits us should look different, to me, is just impossible if they're nuts and bolts craft. You know, they would be out of a mold or whatever. So I think, you know, the idea that we are dealing with shape-shifting craft and entities is quite viable because if you look, if you go back to the early days of ufology or way before that, you know, in the 1800s, we had the Phantom Airships in the 40s during the war, it was the Foo Fighters, 46 the ghost rockets, 47 onwards flying saucers, 80s onwards it was the flying triangles. To begin with in ufology there weren't really much in the way of entities. Then in the 50s there were space brothers. Then you had the creatures that Betty and Barney Hill saw, which weren't greys despite what some people have said. You know, they're more human-like. Then you had the greys, then you had the reptilians, the men in black, the black-eyed children, all of which are somehow connected. You know, you can make a good case that the phenomenon is constantly with us, but it's constantly also changing its appearance. So, you know, you could make a good case that the entire ufological scene is sort of being hit by shapeshifters. Well, certainly with UFO abductions, that would be a singular example, I think, of something of that nature. Yeah. Yeah, and of course, you know, I think one of the important things is that many abduction cases seem to occur when the person's in an altered state, them being susceptible to different realities and possibly even, you know, that the shifting may actually even be in their minds even. You know, that could add an entirely new angle to it where the reality itself is kind of shifted for the benefits of the person. So sort of shape-shifting could mean a lot of different things to a lot of people. You know, it's a term that people associate with werewolves, but you can actually apply it to so many different ways of supernaturally changing, so to speak. I'll give you another example, which is like really high on the creepy levels, is that, you know, and I talk about this because it's kind of connected to shape-shifting, but not where the creature literally shape-shifts, 
into a person or vice versa, but where it mimics a person. And I'll explain what I mean by that. I've got a lot of cases on record of creatures like Bigfoot and elsewhere in the world um, in relation to the Orang Pendek in Sumatra, the Yowie in Australia, where people have been out in the woods and they kind of get a weird vibe and then suddenly they hear like the, like the distressing cries of a baby, like a human baby. And obviously, you know, they're like, oh, my God, you know, somebody's dumped a baby in the woods or whatever. So they go looking and they get deeper and deeper into the woods and they can still hear this baby crying, but it's always a little bit further away from them. And then suddenly they hear this sort of guttural growling and see this shadowy form loom into view as if these Bigfoot-type creatures can literally mimic babies. You know, it's not a physical transformation, but it's... Um, in one sense, it is a transformation um, or a perceived, you know, transformation. But, you know, mimicking as a means to draw people into the woods. And I've got some really, like I said, really creepy stories like that where people felt something was was drawing them and pulling them into the woods and doing so under the sort of the camouflage of a, the cries of a baby. And, you know, who knows what would have happened to them if they continued looking and continued going further and further into the woods, you know, was it a way to lure them in and kill them? And in a worst case scenario, you know, you become dinner or whatever. But um, I talk about one case in the book, uh, one of many, um, not too far from where I actually live, where the town of Ennis has a tradition of a Bigfoot type creature that was seen and is still seen now in old by an old bridge in the area. And um, there's a cemetery very nearby called Cryer Creek Cemetery. And the legend is that a woman lost a child there and um, every so often you'll hear the child crying. But it's intriguing that you have a Bigfoot story attached to the same area as well. With Gene, Chris and Nick, you're in... The Paracast, ho ho! <laughs> listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. This just in. Before your doctor gives you another antibiotic prescription that you don't want, get this free report, The Miracle of Garlic, Your First Home Medicine. This free report is filled with easy kitchen remedies for common colds, flus, sore throats, ear infections, and more. Plus, learn to boost your immunity before you get sick. Go now to GCNWellness.com. Just like it sounds, GCNWellness.com to get your free report, The Miracle of Garlic. Click GCNWellness.com. In an emergency, you need a fire. Now. But what if the wood is wet? No problem for InstaFire. Our non-toxic fire starter packs lights wet wood, floats, and can even burn on water or in any weather. Sustains winds up to 30 miles per hour, and each pouch weighs only 1.75 ounces. Need an emergency or camp stove? Get the InstaFire Inferno stove that boils 20 ounces of water in under 3 minutes with controllable heat and temps from 425 to 1500 degrees. Free shipping. Go to InstaFire.com and use discount code RADIO30 at the three times for 30% off your order. InstaFire. Fire in an instant. 
Kiyosaki, Rogers, and Schiff all concur there's an economic calamity that will be facing this country. My question to you is, do you know when and are you prepared? Most people don't, but my friends over at Republic Monetary Exchange have been leading experts in precious metals to help you offset the coming economic collapse. Right now, for a limited time, they have a free book called The 10 Reasons You Should Own Gold. You simply need to give them a call at 888-772-2929 to get that in your hands. Do not allow the insiders to do what they did to you in 2008, putting your IRAs, 401ks, and savings in jeopardy. You need this book, and you need it now. The 10 Reasons You Should Own Gold. Call 888-772-2929. That's 888-772-2929. There's a reason that the largest investment banking company in the world, J.P. Morgan, just purchased another 50 million ounces of silver. This free book will explain it. 888-772-2929. Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with ReputationDefender.com. What the internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with ReputationDefender.com. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with ReputationDefender.com. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Or visit ReputationDefender.com. Investing is a long-term process. How many times can you think of in the last decade that the stock market has destroyed retirement funds for people just like you and me? For your existing IRA, you need the security that gold has provided for centuries. Remember, gold has never been worth zero. Capital Gold would like to introduce you to the Home Storage Gold IRA. It's a self-directed IRA set up with all the protection and tax benefits of an LLC. But the big difference in this IRA is you invest in gold and you hold it in your possession. You can't do that with stocks. That's security. You can transfer any type of IRA hassle-free in days. Please call right now and learn more and we'll waive the $500 setup fee and give you a free safe to store your gold. 800-535-7789 That's 800-535-7789 This is Jacques Vallée. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Okay, so the cemetery, the Bigfoot. It's like putting all the ingredients together, Nick, to come up with the most incredible possibilities. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of talk, you know, over the years that Bigfoot uses humans sometimes as a food source. Well, what better way to do that than to try and mimic and successfully mimic a human baby, which, you know, most people would naturally try and go and help it and look for it. But you just find yourself getting more and more pulled into the woods and lost, and then before you know it, you know, 
you're on the spit or whatever. <laughs> well, everywhere they focus on stuff like that. It's one of the singular obsessions in sci-fi, in fantasy, in horror, that somebody is not the person you think they are. I mean, obviously there is a folkloric aspect to this, but like I said earlier, you often find, in fact, almost always, that when you have folklore, myths, legends, anecdotes, there's usually some degree of reality that kick-started the mystery in the first place or the legend in the first place. You know, and I think that part of that's due to human nature, but it's also partly due to the fact that we're talking about real phenomena. I mean... You know, when I was talking about the black-eyed kids, you know, this, the reptilian angle, and the woman from Point Pleasant. Well, you know, we have Mothman in Point Pleasant. Now, when the sightings were at their height, sort of 66, 67, which, you know, we're coming up to 50 years since the bridge collapse in, in Point Pleasant now, would that be 50 years in December? Um, what's interesting is that not everybody described Mothman in the same way. Some described it as a definitive flying humanoid. Others described it as like a gigantic bird. Others suggested it was more like a, almost like a pterodactyl type creature. Now, granted, it would be difficult to sort of see these things late at night. But I mean, you know, we had daylight sightings. And in some cases, people said, yeah, it just looked like a gigantic bird, almost like the, you know, the Thunderbird of Native American legend. But other people said, no, it didn't look like a bird. It was absolutely a flying humanoid with wings on his back. So either people were hallucinating, getting it wrong, or, as I point out in the book, maybe even Mothman, you know, was a shapeshifter. Granted, it was always, you know, a flying shapeshifter, but when you have people who claim to have seen this thing close up and some were sure it was a bird-like and others were sure it was human-like, but more like a gargoyle, either they were massively wrong or there's a there's a bigger picture going on there, you know. Let me ask you a very, very direct question before we go on with more stories. Do you think any of these cases is real or are most of them just people seeing things? Well, you know, it's one of these things. And I'm sure, you know, Chris has experienced this as well. When you interview people over the course of not just days, weeks, months, years, but decades, you do become a good judge of character and you know what to look for. You know, I mean, everybody at some point, whether it's in ufology, cryptozoology, ghost hunting or whatever, you're always going to find someone who fakes a story and who wants their bit of 15 minutes of fame and, you know, endless dollars or whatever. That always happens. And I'm sure there's no one who hasn't come across at least one hoax event. But in saying that, I never really got, honestly, didn't get any kind of vibe from the people I interviewed for this particular book who I felt were crazy or lying or fantasy prone they just seem genuinely either puzzled excited or deeply worried by what they'd seen and were just looking for answers and i think but i in fairness when you said you know is it just people seeing things in fairness i think even i understand why people might think that because the angle of shape-shifting is so bizarre and unlikely and and it's so inextricably tied to like the world of Hollywood and ancient tales of of werewolves that people ignore it or think well this can't be but they can accept you know the idea of aliens crashing at Roswell or whatever so I, I understand it it's because the weirder it is the less likely people are to believe it but as I said when you find these intriguing little strands that parallel another case, like I said, the mimicking of the babies, which you can find all around the world. 
the balls of light transforming into different creatures. You know, you see these patterns, and it's when yeah. you see the patterns, then you realize there's a pattern. <laughs> yeah, I agree, Nick. And I also have a suspicion that um, because this type of report is, you know, getting up into the realm of, of, of you know, some of the most uh, unbelievable uh, types of accounts, um, you, you would almost kind of suspect that uh, perhaps there's a lot more experiences, uh, people having experiences out there a lot more than uh, are being reported, just simply because, you know, they're so fantastic that people, you know, would, I think, be more hesitant to, to come forward and, and, uh, and report, um, you know, events like this. So, you know, we may well, be seeing actually a uh, tip of the iceberg, and, and there may be many more reports than are actually being, being uh, filed. Well, that's a good point, and I'll, I'll give you sort of a bit of an analogy to that. You know, having done several books on the men in black, I get a lot of reports all the time of men in black stories, but more than a few people have said, you know, I'm paraphrasing here, but it's basically the same phrase. They've said, oh, I didn't want to report it because everybody, you know, thinks of the Hollywood movies, and they think I just over-imagined watching one of these movies. And so they wouldn't talk about it because there was this sort of fear that, you know, they'd be labeled cranks or crazy because, you know, they watch too many movies. And I think it's kind of a similar thing here. People don't talk about it, not because of the movie angle, but because it is way out. And I think anything that's, you know, anything that's paranormal is bizarre and strange. But there is, you know, a case where you can make an argument tipping the scales into really weird domains like shape-shifting. Um, I understand why people wouldn't come forward. You know, I'm not sure I would come forward if I said, you know, I'd seen a werewolf and then the werewolf changed into a ball of light. You know, people would say, you know, what's, what's Nick been smoking or injecting, you know? <laughs> Even I might say nothing. So I think, I think the weirder the case that, yeah, it, it sometimes it's a benefit if people come forward, but I understand the impulse not to speak about it as well. The one I think, uh, as I mentioned before, the the uh, the subculture in the area where I was investigating uh, in the '90s there in, in you know southern Colorado uh, in in northern New Mexico, the whole idea of of shape shifting uh, I think is a little bit more. It's more plausible, I think, generally in people's minds there, especially in the Hispanic uh, population, because there is uh, a tradition of brujos and brujas uh, being able to actually do that, to, to uh, change into other forms. So I think that, that perhaps in an area like um, you know the geology, uh, geographically rather, you may have uh, possibly more... Uh, less reluctance to come forward and, and actually more reports than, let's say, where you are or, you know, in, in any other part of the country, uh, basically. So, you know, I think some of it does have to do with with how these types of phenomenal events or categories of phenomenal events are actually uh, perceived within the subculture. And and I think that, that in the case of, of shape-shifting, there's less reluctance uh, for people in the San Luis Valley, for instance, to, to come forward. Um, I've never heard that kind of report, To now that I'm thinking about it, um, maybe once or twice uh, have I heard a 
a report of a physical human type shape shifting uh, that was not related to uh, a claim of, of of witches or the occult. Um, you know, and again, we're, we're we're sort of we're focusing more, I think, on on the the human type uh, accounts where in ufology uh, there's thousands of cases <laughs> of objects that appear to morph uh, from one shape into another and and it's a fairly common description and i'm sure you found this as well nick that uh, people say one second it was uh, you know it looked like this and the next second it it transformed or morphed into uh, and shifted into another shape we're going to morph into something right now with nick gene and chris you're in the Paracast. <laughs> For listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. Want revenge on the common housefly? Well, after 10,000 years, someone has finally come up with a better way. The Bug Assault, a miniaturized shotgun, which utilizes ordinary table salt as ammunition. Non-toxic and no batteries required. $39.95 plus shipping and handling. Use discount code GCN and receive 15% off your purchase at BugAssault.com. Fire your fly swatter and get your Bug Assault today. Actual testimonials from real Numana customers. I've tried all kinds of food storage, and Numana is by far the best. I'm a single mom with two teenage boys and a full-time job. I don't always have time to cook a four-course meal. That's where Numana has been such a blessing. I can spend less time in the kitchen and more time on what matters most, like helping with homework. Find out for yourself. Order online at thepowermall.com. That's thepowermall.com. Numana is... Thirstores love to eat. Yum! Thepowermall.com. Message and data rates may apply. 
Oh my gosh, that's Frank Thomas. No. Yes, that's him. Go ahead. Excuse me, are you Frank Thomas? Yes, I am. I bet you get recognized a lot. I was a pretty good ball player. You were? Some people thought so. Sorry, we recognize you from those Nugenics commercials. Oh yeah? That's great. So does Nugenics really work? Oh yeah, I really can feel the difference. My workouts are better and I feel a lot more energetic. I wish my husband would use Nugenics. It's so easy to get started. All you have to do is send one simple text. Text the word PRIME44 to 42424 for a complimentary bottle of award-winning Nugenics, the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC. Its unique man-boosting formula is powered by Testofen, a patented key ingredient clinically researched to help a man feel stronger, leaner, more energetic, and more passionate. And you're going to like the difference, too. Text PRIME44 to 42424 for a complimentary bottle of Nugenics. Samples are not available in stores. Text PRIME44 to 42424. You haven't experienced yogurt until you've tried a Mossy, embodying health and flavor in a true whole milk, green-fed dairy beverage. Every sip pays homage to our old-world cows and the ancient culturing methods their milk benefits from. With over 30 probiotics, a Mossy's undeniably nutritious, refined, cultured sensation bolsters your health and awakens your passion for dairy. A Mossy's so good, and you need to try it. Contact your Longevity distributor or call 877-878-4203 or go to GCNteam.com. This is Micah Hanks of the Gray Alien Report, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. You see, Chris is almost finished morphing into something. (laughs) What will he be? We're all trying to figure that out. So in terms of shapeshifters, Nick Redfern, what are the most dangerous shapeshifters of all? Well, certainly one of them, I would put in that category, would be the, the what are known as the phantom black dogs. Now, you can find stories of so-called phantom black dogs all around the world where they're described as being much larger than normal dogs and they have these fiery, blazing red eyes. The reason why they're so dangerous is because, according to the old legends, that if you were to see one, either you or a family member was about to die. Um, Now, these stories proliferated to such an extent centuries ago in the UK that actually prompted Arthur Conan Doyle to write his Sherlock Holmes novel, The Hound of the Baskervilles. That story is actually based on an existing tale of one of the phantom black dogs that a friend of Doyle's told him. And he thought, well, you know, I could turn this into a like a cool a cool Sherlock Holmes story, although he probably didn't use the word cool. <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, you know, the, so in other words, these stories proliferate. But what's interesting about these black dogs is that in some of them, they're, describing, they're described as having the ability to expand and shrink in size, which is, like, really weird. You know, you're shape-shifting, not into another form, but you're literally sh- shape-shifting your body or the creature is shape-shifting its body from small to large, large to small, etc. And there are some cases where people have seen these phantom black dogs raise up onto their back legs and almost sort of walk like a human, as if their legs kind of snap into almost like a human mode, but they still have like the, the paws hanging down. You know, if you've got a pet dog and you sit him on his back legs, you know, the front paws hang down. And that's how people have described them. But they have this sort of very much dog-like appearance, but walking like a human. The black dogs, 
not, as I said, they change from four limbs to two limbs and they change in size. So there's like multiple shifting going on there. But, you know, when you, you specifically talked about the dangerous angle of all this, you know, you've got the, the issue of like, like it being a precursor to death, that kind of thing. If you just see one of these things, almost like a, you know, the, the world's worst kind of grim reaper or something along those lines. You know, if you, if you look at some of these stories, I mean, they are you know, definitively dangerous. Um, I don't really know anyone who's had a what you would call a positive experience with any of these things, you know, despite the multiple different forms. Not a single one of them is, is sort of friendly. I mean, another dangerous one that sort of also ties in with Native American law, but certainly far more north, would be the Wendigo. You know, this sort of cannibalistic type creature, um, which is, it's it's kind of confusing. Some of the tribes, it's sort of like a, a person who has resorted to cannibalism, then takes on more of an animalistic form. And then there's a belief that a Wendigo can actually sort of not so much shapeshift, but actually get into you. So it, in other words, it's character shapeshifts into your mind. So you, in a sense, this is like a psychological shapeshift rather than a physical shapeshift. But, but the Wendigo, you know, I mean, this is sort of a perceived as like a very dangerous, deadly creature. And I sometimes do wonder if some of the legends of the Wendigo could have been based on ancient sightings of Bigfoot-type creatures that, you know, the stories maybe have got um, distorted over time, so to speak. Yeah, and also there's the possibility that uh, the arrival of Apaches uh, coming down from Alaska in the uh, 13 and 1400s, by the time they made it all the way down through Canada, they had uh, adopted a, a socially acceptable form of cannibalism. And there's one kind of revisionist school of thought that, that you know, could relate the Wendigo to actually being an Apache, uh, you know, running through the village quickly, grabbing a kid and, and keeping on yeah. going, to, you know, to bring the kid back for dinner. So there's several ways to look at the at the at the Wendigo uh, phenomenon, and I that particular possible uh, explanation is not out of the realm of uh, <laughs> out of the realm of question. No, you're right, and I think again, this sort of it demonstrates how careful we need to be when we're looking at sort of particularly ancient stories and legends and how we perceive them, you know, um, was it a distortion of something far more down to earth or was it something that was exactly as, as it was explained? I mean, another example of like a dangerous one uh, would be, uh, of all things possible, the Loch Ness Monster or Monsters. Today, you know, people call them Nesses. But if you go back to at least sort of the 15, 1600s, you find stories from multiple Scottish lakes. And for people who don't know, the, the word lock is it's just a Scottish term that means lake. But multiple Scottish locks, including Loch Ness, have traditions attached to them of what were known back then as Kelpies. And Kelpie was a Scottish term meaning water horse. So back then, people were seeing in Loch Ness and on the shores of Loch Ness and on the shores and in the waters of other Scottish lochs, these large, usually black-coloured or white-coloured large horses that would stand by the water's edge. When they saw a person, they would try and entice them to the water's edge and they'd suddenly grab them and pull them into the, into the water and supposedly steal their souls. But the, the Kelpie, the water horse, was supposedly 
had the ability to transform also into a, like a beautiful woman who would also try and entice somebody down to the edge of the water and then again grab them and take their soul. So in other words, the Kelpie back in the 15th, 16th, 1700s was a definitive shapeshifter at Loch Ness. Now, if we jump forward a couple of centuries to Loch Ness of today, you know, everybody thinks of the Loch Ness monsters as looking, you know, with a humpback and this long neck and four flippers like a plesiosaur. But that isn't what everybody reports. There have been cases where one witness describes seeing what looked like a gigantic frog sitting on a shelf 50 feet under the water. It was seen by a diver. He said, you know, it wasn't a long neck creature at all. It looked like a giant frog. Other people have described them as huge salamanders. Uh, one woman said that she swore the thing she saw had tusks. Um, there's another case where somebody described it as looking like an alligator or a crocodile. Other people have said giant uh, worms or eels. And so, in other words, you could make a case that the Loch Ness monsters of today and the Kelpies of yesterday are the exact same things, multiple you know, forms being seen in multiple forms over numerous centuries, you know. Um, so you could make a case that, as I said, that the Kelpies of old ne never really went away. They just got renamed as Nessies. That's how it goes. That's how it goes. Legend to legend, year <laughs> after year. You wonder about how this is going on, all the strange things that are happening there. Well, I think the problem is with something like this, when you say, you know, what's going on and that kind of thing, nobody really knows how to tackle shapeshifter stories because they are so strange, you know. Uh, it's not the sort of thing you hear much about unless it's in relation to a book that's pretty much based on, you know, the folkloric angle and how folklore and myths develop, which really isn't, you know, overly connected to the world of the paranormal. But when you're dealing with you know, space brothers turning into balls of light or alien big cats appearing in crop circles after, a, you know, a ball of light was seen over the field. Things like that. So many people, I, I know from experience, just turn away because it, it doesn't sit well in any belief system. You know, the cryptozoologists don't want to hear that kind of stuff. And the ufologists who are driven by the nuts and bolts angle, they don't want to hear it either. You know, so it ends up in kind of a, a limbo situation almost. But, you know, for me, I don't have sort of a belief system where I need aliens to be nuts and bolts or I need Bigfoot to be a giant ape. I just go where the data takes me. And I think the data is taking us in some really genuinely strange directions. Well, it is interesting, however, how people want to pigeonhole these mysteries into a specific area. And when you try to spread their wings a little bit and open their horizons, they resist it quite a bit, don't they? Well, that happens, you know, in belief systems anyway. I mean, religion particularly. I mean, you look at all the different religions, and what, and the only reason we're at war with other people who have different religions is because they think their God is different to our God, and our God doesn't exist, and theirs doesn't, and somebody else's does, and this book tells a real story. No, this book tells a real story. A lot of this says more about human nature, how we have belief systems, but more importantly, that people want belief systems as well, and they get hostile and defensive when those belief systems are questioned. That can relate to, you know, the Quran versus the Bible in as much as it can relate to Bigfoot versus a ball of light, you know. We are going to break now, but more to come with Nick Redfern. And the book, by the way, is 
on shapeshifting, shapeshifters, morphing monsters, and changing cryptids. With Gene, Chris, and Nick, you're in... The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items. And entails t-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast jumbo tote bag, all sorts of t-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour. It's a no-brainer. A Big Berkey water filter is the one you need, period. You need a water filter that removes chlorine, fluoride, pharmaceuticals, BPA, and other endocrine disruptors, pesticides, bacteria, viruses, and much more, right? And does it all at only two cents per gallon. Get the original and most trusted name in gravity water filtration, Big Berkey. And now GCN listeners receive 5% off ceramic filter systems using code GCN. Call or click 1-877-99-BERKEY or BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. That's 1-877-99-BERKEY. The answer to being in control of your own health care is freedom from insurance. Become part of a group of self-pay patients that come together to share in each other's medical expenses. Individual share amounts begin at $107 a month and $347 for families. Choose from three health sharing programs. Holistic treatments may be eligible for sharing. See guidelines. Discount programs available for dental, vision, and pharmacy. Go to libertyoncall.org. That's libertyoncall.org. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. All right. I'm going to ask you something here, too. There's a chapter there about bloodsuckers. And you think of the vampire legend where, of course, the vampire could always change to something else. Yeah. Quite often, he'd be a wolf. Well, yeah, the, in the old stories, you know, the, the vampire could turn into, as you said, a wolf, uh, a black cat, a bat, you know, and, and so we have that shapeshifter angle. And I talk about that in the book to demonstrate the folkloric angle of, of vampires and how the phenomenon began. But one of the things I talk about uh, more in that chapter is the Chupacabra of Puerto Rico, which, you know, many people have perceived as a definitive vampire in the sense that it's the term uh, chupacabra is Spanish for goat sucker because a lot of the animals that originally or initially I should say attacked were goats and the stories were that you know massive amounts of blood were drained from their bodies and, and I've been to Puerto Rico on many occasions 
doing expeditions to the looking for the Chupacabra. And every time I've been there, I've heard stories of this sort of blood-draining angle. But why I include that in the book is because, again, people, in the same way people have talked about Mothman taking on different forms, that's exactly what I've had with the Chupacabra on Puerto Rico. When I went there in 2004, a lot of the stories I had were the traditional ones that came out from the mid-90s where people saw this creature, like a fast-running creature about the size of and, and design of a chimpanzee but without hair and having this sort of row of spikes down its head and neck and sometimes with these vicious-looking claws and fangs. Now, other people swore that they saw something just like that, but which had what you would almost call like bat-like wings, like membranous wings, that kind of thing, which did give it reportedly like an almost looking like a giant bat, something along those lines. Now, there are other cases where people said to me they saw these things up close and personal and said that they had sort of bright feathery uh, wings. And again, to be so close and to see something, it's difficult to see how they could ex mistake one thing for another. So I've had people tell me on Puerto Rico of sightings of what they were sure with, with, with a chupacabra, but looked incredibly different to somebody else's description. Now, I think it's way too much to accept that there could be multiple four or five different types of unknown animal on Puerto Rico. I don't believe that. But the idea that the Chupacabra could be some sort of supernatural thing, which echoes kind of the, the Mothman stories, that does make me think that this lesser-known angle of the, of the, um, of the Chupacabra, and, you know, and there could be a, a shapeshifter tie-in there as well, unless, you know, the witnesses are mistaken, which isn't impossible. But, you know, I do point out that in some cases the descriptions were radically different, but still kind of similar, you know, with the wings and the humanoid-type body. Flying people. Yeah, flying people, which is like an even more bizarre angle. But you get those everywhere. I mean, you have the Owl Man in England, Mothman in the United States. Back in the early 50s, in the city of Houston had a wave of sightings of what became known as the Houston Batman. That's what the press called it back in 53. And um, you can find a few stories online on this little-known tale. And the so, fact, of course, that his name was Bruce Wayne didn't impact matters, did it? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> My son was born on February 19th, which happens to be one of the alleged birthdays of Bruce Wayne. I mean, there are other birth dates too, but February 19th applies to him and also to the young actor who plays <laughs> Bruce Wayne in Gotham. You're the only person I know, Gene, that, that could remember something. Bruce Wayne's birthday. Well, it's my son, so I obviously consider it significant. Of course, he's not the Batman type, but, you know, what the heck? You seriously frighten me. Well, <laughs> wait till you see what happens when the moon is full and bright. Yeah. Uh, I don't know much about comic books, unfortunately, if anything. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, just doing the research in the book, you know, I realized how much, you know, the issue of shape-shifting has come into sort of popular culture in the, in the modern era, not just in movies, you know, but graphic novels and all sorts. Well, I think even if you go back to the early 40s, I mentioned, of course, Shazam, which is the command that turns young Billy Batson into the magic superhero Captain Marvel, that's a shape-shifting operation. you got this skinny nerd who becomes this big, powerful creature, a human being.
being, certainly, but he was the rival to Superman at one time. And that's one person. It's not like Clark Kent and Superman where it's the same guy pulling off the glasses. It's a completely different shape, a completely different voice, etc. Yeah, and I mean, that, again, that kind of demonstrates the different aspects of what is defined as shape-shifting. It's not one thing. It, you know, it's mimicking, it's physical changes, it's changes in the mind, you know, it's supernatural changes, you know, sort of taking on almost like a camouflage kind of angle. So it, it can mean all things to different people. And, um, you know, I, I think that's an important thing to remember, that it's not just one angle. And uh, when we look into these alternative angles as well, like I said, we see a lot of connections and parallels, which lead me to believe that it, it is a legitimate phenomenon. But, it, you know, as I said, the science of this is so far out that even trying to to begin to rationalize it and understand it is almost a non-starter, you know. Well, unless you assume that in every case here, the shapeshifters are just an illusion to some degree. It's almost like a kind of mass hypnosis or a self-hypnosis or something. You're seeing something well, in a different form, but that's not what's there. Well, that, that's not at all impossible. You know, the idea that somebody is being sort of driven to see something that may be almost like a sophisticated hologram or something like that, rather than, you know, a physical event. I mean, I guess the closest thing I could think of in the fictional world would be kind of like, you know, the, the Matrix movies where we're living in this extremely realistic looking world, which is, you know, you cannot sort of define it from not from the real world, but it isn't real. You know, it's a dream, and we're living in, like, this um, sophisticated program. Well, maybe some encounters occur in that... You know, there's there's evidence that some men in black cases might occur in that kind of scenario where if anybody else was in the room, they might just see the witness sitting there vacantly on the couch. But for the witness, you know, there are these three or four MIB surrounding them, threatening them. But it could be, you know, like a sophisticated hologram projection. And, of course, if, you're, if you've got a hologram and you're projecting something, well, then who knows how many, you know, tweaks you, you could make to, to make it change its form. So I think that angle of like a, like a deceptive hologram or a camouflage could actually explain a lot of cases and could explain them perhaps quite easily as well, you know, um, if it's not a physical change, but it's sort of a, a projection in front of the eye of the person, so to speak. So the question would be, who is doing the projection? Well, I mean, one of the things I would say that crops up in not not all um, shapeshifters, and certainly not the majority, but it does crop up in some of them, is that when the people see these shapeshifters, they sometimes feel kind of sick and ill and weak and shaky. And so one of the things that I kind of suspect, and it is a suspicion, you know, I admit to that I don't have proof, but I do wonder if they're almost sort of like energy suckers. You know, they're like a psychic vampire in the sense that they feed on the human life force, on energy. And maybe the whole point of, of transforming into these sort of frightening and terrifying images is to amp up the um, the fear factor, which gets all these stress chemicals pumping around, and then they perhaps even feed on them parasitically, you know, 
And so maybe that the whole point is that they need to be seen to stay alive because they feed on us and they can only feed on us if they've got the required high levels of stress chemicals and you know energy levels swarming around us. So I do wonder if, you know, the whole point of shape-shifting and being seen, the goal of it is, in a very strange way, you know, we're their food almost. They have to suck up the energy. Suck up this, ladies and gentlemen, and we'll be back in a moment. <laughs> With Nick Redfern, Gene and Chris, you're in... The Pericast! Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Back pain doesn't take vacations. It never celebrates holidays. It's on the job 24-7 to keep your life exactly where it is, in limbo. But it doesn't have to be that way because Laser Spine Institute can help you take back your life from chronic neck and back pain. With a less than one-inch incision, our minimally invasive procedures have provided relief to over 60,000 patients with a 97% patient satisfaction rate. So get ready to stand tall and live the life you've imagined for yourself without pain. Are you or a loved one suffering from a bulging disc? herniated disc, spinal stenosis, pinched nerve, or degenerative disc disease? Call our spine care consultants now at 855-510-BACK. For a no-cost MRI review and to learn more, it's time to say goodbye to chronic neck and back pain. Call 855-510-BACK to see if laser spine surgery is right for you. That's 855-510-BACK. What have you got to lose? Laser Spine Institute, the leader in minimally invasive spine surgery. In an emergency, you need a fire. Now. But what if the wood is wet? No problem for InstaFire. Our non-toxic fire starter packs lights wet wood, floats, and can even burn on water or in any weather. Sustains winds up to 30 miles per hour, and each pouch weighs only 1.75 ounces. Need an emergency or camp stove? Get the InstaFire Inferno stove that boils 20 ounces of water in under 3 minutes with controllable heat and temps from 425 to 1500 degrees. Free shipping. Go to InstaFire.com and use discount code RADIO30 up to 3 times for 30% off your order. InstaFire. Fire in an instant. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow, and like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat, I would flip-flop all night long, I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you could move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed, it's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do 
do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee, so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. You can buy one of my pillows and get one absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-870-0305 and use promo code GCN. That's MyPillow.com or 800-870-0305 with promo code GCN. Fully cooked, ready-to-eat bacon. I'm talking thick, meaty, center-cut, presidential bacon. Savory and delicious. I buy some, I use some, I store some. Awesome. No refrigeration needed with a 10-year shelf life. NASA pack technology. Bacon. Fully cooked, fully hydrated, ready-to-eat right from the pack bacon. Or warm and served. Life-saving, ready-to-eat bacon. 10-year shelf life bacon. Ships free at FullyCookedBacon.com. FullyCookedBacon.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. That voice is getting hoarser and hoarser. (laughs) Chris. That's how I was talking like three years ago, uh, three weeks ago when I got sick. (laughs) <laughs> right, you know, he was originally going to be on a couple of weeks back, and he said, you know, I don't know if you really want me on because I have this chest thing. Yeah, I yeah I've, been, I've been dealing with a nasty-ass chest cold for the past week and a half. I, I, in fact, my voice was almost gone after I, I got, got in last night. No way. That's not good. No. Well, I got mine on a cruise ship, and I actually did lose my voice for like half a day. And I mean... Without getting too graphic, I mean, the amount of green crap I was coughing up. I mean, oh, I it was know. like, oh. oh my God, it was like, well, I won't go into details, but you get the picture, sir. So. <laughs> I'm, I'm still dealing with it. I don't know what it was. I'm still dealing with it. So. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I got it on a cruise ship, and I think it's probably with all like, that circulated air, like when you're on yeah. a plane or whatever. Yeah. Well, I caught mine on a, on a, a, a air, the flight coming back from Denver. Yeah. Little babies are sick and coughing. Oh, it was awful. I had a little bit of that a couple of weeks back where I was coughing a lot. And I thought maybe somebody I was taking during the ride-hailing gigs that I do and one of the passengers possibly had a cold or a cough. And you can't say, get out. Get out of my car. Or you will be exterminated. It's a lousy yeah. imitation. That is a hazard, though, of flying and whatever. Is, um, oh, and man. There's always somebody on their plane who's sick with something. So. Well, when, when little babies are coughing, you, you, I mean, God knows how powerful, you know, those bugs are because their immune systems are just so, you know, jacked, uh, jacked up and, and powerful to begin with. Uh, you know the bugs are going to be uh, exceptionally <laughs> robust. It's totally off subject, of course, but I mean, I hardly ever get colds or get anything like that at all. And whether it's whether it has a benefit on it or not, but um, I have um, I have a lime every day. I eat a lime every day, which is which are filled with packed with vitamin C. Well, I have one every day. I have like literally, I literally have like three hundred sixty-five limes a year. <laughs> wow! Yeah, I love lime. So yeah, I just chop them into four into fours and four quarters and just. Munch them down, and, you know. Yeah. But it's only a small fruit. But I mean, 
You have one every day for a year. You know, that's a ton of limes. So. Yeah, that's true. There is well, an that's... album called Nilsson Schmilson where he sings a song called She Put the Lime in the Coconut. <laughs> I'd probably damage it, though, by uh, drinking too much alcohol. So Who knows? It probably balances out. <laughs> you know, well, what's the line in the song, Gene? I uh, called the doc and woke him up and said, Doctor. It says she put the lime in the coconut. She called the doctor, woke him up. And said, Doctor, ain't there nothing I can take? I said, Doctor, to relieve this bellyache. I said, Doctor, ain't there nothing I can take? I'll tell you, he had to be in a pretty strange state of mind when Harry Nilsson wrote this song. <laughs> I've not heard that at all. Well, he was also the a notorious party animal and uh, could party pretty much anybody under the table. He was quite the uh, party boy. Well, you know, there's a story about Harry Nilsson just very quickly where... The Beatles brought him in there, and he met Brian Epstein. And he decided, though, he didn't like gays. So the Beatles threw him out when he said that. (laughs) That's true, apparently. And then later on, after Brian Epstein died, John Lennon hooked up with Nilsson, and they became friends. Uh, Lennon and McCartney's, I think, favorite American vocalist. I don't know much about the Beatles either. Not my music. Yeah, yeah, no. Nick, what do you think? Uh, Blitzkrieg bop, bop is being used as a uh, jingle on uh, the Peloton uh, exercise bike commercials. Yeah, I've seen that. It's a shame that uh, they're not benefiting from the royalties and they're all gone, you know. Yeah, they're all, uh, they're all dead. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's Except kind for- of uh, wild, you know, that um, their music gets used quite a lot, you know, sports games all over the place. Yeah. But, uh, is Tommy still alive? I think he died too, didn't he? Yeah, Tommy died um, about about 18 months ago. I think. It's, it's kind of weird that all the ones who died were all like the four originals, you know. Right. Um, right, right. And the, the other replacement drummers and the later towards the end yeah, of Mark, the bass player. Mark all, is still around. Like, yeah, he's still around. And um, Richie, who was in the band for a while, he's still around. And CJ, who replaced Dee Dee when he, right. he walked out in 89, I think it was. Uh, he's still around, and even Clem Burke, who played with him for two shows but couldn't uh, keep up, he's still alive. <laughs> yeah, well, you're noticing now that uh, you know the baby, the baby boomer uh, rock uh, rock star generation. It's all the party boys that are kicking off first. Uh, Bowie was notorious had a, a terrible cocaine uh, habit for for years. Uh, Glenn Fry, you know, another one, just a party animal. You're noticing that. You know, we're losing all the party boys uh, first. Lemmy. And, uh, yeah. Lemmy. Lemmy's gone. Yeah. What about Tom yeah. Petty? Tom Petty was... Tom Petty was a major party animal. Sure. Heroin addict, uh, coke addict for on and off for many years. Yeah. Eventually, it catches up with everybody eventually when you, when yeah. you sort of live on the edge all the time. Well, explain the Rolling Stones to me then. How are they still around? I mean, you look at Keith Richards and you say this guy has already been dead for 50 years. Also, Chuck Berry hung out till he was in his 80s, and he was a really wild guy. No, he was 90 when he died. Was it 90? Don't forget, though, with Keith Richards. Keith Richards actually gave up all the hard stuff like 30 years ago. You know, he got off heroin and everything. Yeah, he's been clean since the mid-80s. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think he does... I read his autobiography and he said, no, you know, he'll have a glass of wine or whatever. But, you know, those days are gone for him as well. You know, well, a lot c- of it is. Cigarettes. It's cigarettes. on the image now, you know, it's, it's his image more than anything today. He was on the mic the other night um, and said that uh, 
said something about the DEA. Don't don't bother me. I've been clean for six weeks. <laughs> <laughs> and pumping up the old image there, I guess, or something. Uh, yeah, he had cigarettes are, are what's going to get Keith. He's he's been a major smoker for many years. But I mean, they're doing well. I mean, you know, um, what are they? They've got to be like early to mid 70s now, don't they? Something like that. Bill Wyman, uh, of course, who's not in the band anymore, he was the oldest. Uh, I think he's 80, 81 now. Wow. Yep, getting up there. <laughs> Charlie Watts is the one that blows my mind. I mean, you know, you see all these uh, bands that have been around, you know, 30, 40 years, and they're on their third or fourth drummer. Uh, yeah. You know, playing drums is is you know you do that uh, three hundred nights a year. I mean that's it's a very physical occupation. Number one and number two, you know you you t- you notice that drummers tend to be the wilder and crazier uh, <laughs> guys in the band uh, generally. Um, I'm kind of painting with a broad brushstroke there, but but Charlie Watts, you really got to admire the fact that uh, you know he's in his uh, approaching mid seventies. And he's still touring and playing drums. Uh, that's God. You got to. He's kind of more like a like a beat drummer. You know what I mean? Rather than somebody who's sort of really pounding, you know, the yeah. skins with yeah, you true. know and all frills and you know du- double bass and whatever. You know, um, the Keith Moon, uh, Mitch Mitchell yeah. style. <laughs> we got more to come. Not always about music. We'll get off that in a moment. <laughs> with oh, I love. We got Nick and Gene and Chris. You're in the podcast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow. A new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. Looking for that edge during those intimate moments? We see many ads for enhancement, but the side effects include death. At GCN Team, we should change the Healthy Body Brain and Heart Pack to the Healthy Libido Pack. The brain and heart are not the only organs that require a healthy vascular system. For proper blood flow at the right moment, go to GCNTeam.com or call 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light 
system today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231, and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at GoBerkey.com. That's GoBerkey.com today. Does the current world crisis in North Korea or our domestic crisis right here in America concern you? Well, I know it concerns me. My friends over at Legacy Food Storage have solutions in the event there's the inevitable. What's the inevitable? Civil unrest, a run on your local grocery store. And here's my question to you. If this happens, how do you feed your children? How do you feed your grandchildren? Legacy Food Storage has the solutions. In fact, they can help you implement a simple plan to take care of your needs in the event of the inevitable. By calling them right now, I have authorized them to give you a special 20% discount at checkout by simply using GCN. Call 888-543-7345 or visit them at LegacyFoodStorage.com. That's 888-543-7345 or visiting them at LegacyFoodStorage.com. Make sure you use GCN at checkout for an incredible 20% discount. Don't be a victim. Take control of your life now. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. Do you feel like you're losing control over your finances? If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services and take advantage of the Fresh Start program and new laws that may allow us to negotiate a settlement for the lowest amount possible. Our team of tax attorneys and enrolled agents can stop collections and get you protected so you can take control of your financial future. Tax Mediation Services is accredited by the Better Business Bureau. Call now for a free case review and a price protection guaranteed quote. Call Tax Mediation Services now at 800-610-7740. That's 800-610-7740. Hi, it's Grant Cameron from PresidentialUFO.com. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Of course, you know, speaking of drummers, Ringo, he was on tour recently. And he's, what, 77 now? Well, I don't think he's that old, but he's getting up there. I'll look it up as you guys talk. Let's just get back to the shapeshifters, unless we have some shape shifting drummers how's that <laughs> Not that i know i haven't read the article but i did see on facebook there was a headline where it said billy corgan of the smashing pumpkins had said he'd seen somebody shapeshift really um well lady gaga claimed that uh, prince charles shapeshifted in uh, in front of her yeah. you see the monarchy in the go. uk they the are shapeshifters yeah. oh by the yeah. way ringo star turned 77 in july wow that's getting up there i mean peace love of course he doesn't play the drums as heavily as others and i gather probably in concerts because he's singing a lot he has others do the drumming paul mccartney though hasn't aged well at all he looks much older than ringo 
Why would someone like a Paul McCartney, who's worth a billion dollars, why are they out touring? And and uh, I guess well, once it's in your blood, it's kind of hard to hard to stop. But man, it's well, not like you need the money. A lot of it, no, I think a lot of it is, you know, it's like that rush when you get on stage and everybody's cheering for you and clapping and screaming. It's probably hard, it's hard to give that up, you know what I mean? Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Especially if you got the, an ego the size of Mount Rushmore like he does. <laughs> well, you have to have an ego like that to do what he does. If you don't, you couldn't get up on stage like that. But his voice is pretty raw these days, isn't it? He's 75, yeah. by the way. Yeah, yeah. Speaking about raw voices, Bob Dylan for the past ten years. I mean, he's he's Croaky the Frog. You you can barely, you know. I mean, it's it's almost embarrassing that he's even still trying to trying to pass off his uh, voices as being lyrical and, and melodious. <laughs> well, it's like Lemmy, you know. I mean, he traded on his voice, but I mean, in the last year, they with I and I know he just wanted to just keep going on. You know, what else was he going to do? You know, and he sort of. Right. died just a couple of weeks after the last gig. You know, he just managed to do it, you know, to hang on. But, I mean, his voice was shot 12 months before they stopped. And with hindsight, if you watch some of those last concerts, yes, it's incredible that he was almost 70 and playing a 90-minute Motorhead show, you know, three nights a week. Yeah. But it's incredible to do that. But also, it wasn't on top form. And I think, you know, there's a case to be made that the time comes when, you should stop anyway, you know what I mean? Because yeah. people remember you, unfortunately, when you're at your worst. They're like, oh, my God, remember them, that kind of thing. So Chuck Berry was performing project. almost until the end, the last couple of years, I think. Yeah. Well, if they could still do it, I mean, but it's kind of like, you know, going back to the Ramones, I mean, they're my favorite band, but, I mean, I'm glad when they split up, you know, they were all still in their 40s because it would be ridiculous to see a bunch of guys 65 trying to play Ramon's songs at that speed, you know what I mean? How old is Pete Townsend? Pete Townsend, yeah, he's in his early 70s. I think Roger Daltrey's a little older, a couple years older. Yeah, I'm looking, he's 72, Pete Townsend. Yeah, and Daltrey, I think, 74. I'm looking, I'm looking, and then we have to get back to shape-shifting. He's actually, let's see. It's classified. Yeah, he's a year older. He's a year older, so he's like 73 now, I guess. Anyway, all right, let's get back to reality here, or whatever. If someone wants to start looking into Legends of Shapeshifters, where in your book can you point them to a starting point? Oh, well, that's a good question. I mean, you know, I think it's inevitable that people are going to be sort of driven to werewolf-type stories. But what I would say, for sort of for the modern era, you know, you have this new version of the werewolf which is known as the dogman it's like a politically correct term for people who don't want to use the term werewolf because it seems so bizarre you know now there actually aren't a lot of reports of dogmen you know allegedly changing from human to dogman in fact they're almost non-existent ironically but you do get a lot of reports of these so-called dogmen figures like the Black Dogs of England, where they transform from being on four limbs to two. Now, the Dogman phenomenon is very much like an ongoing one. A good friend of mine, Linda Godfrey, has written like five or six books on the on the subject. She gets so many reports. So I would say to people, you know, if you're interested in the shape-shifting angle, make a start with the Dogman issue, because, you know, reports are still being made, as I said, and it's a very much an ongoing mystery and a lot of ongoing 
research and uh, that will sort of give you some insight into what people have said about these creatures running on four limbs like a gigantic wolf and they stand up and their legs kind of change a bit and they're more humanoid so you know that's very kind of relevant time-wise to where we are now so that, that would be definitely be a good place to start well, Linda Godfrey's been on a couple of times on the Powercast. I urge listeners to look them up because she really is really a nice woman and has a lot of yeah. fascinating stories to tell, definitely. Yeah. So we want to do that. I, I, would, I would suggest that one, yeah. Definitely going to focus on that one there. Yeah, and, and of course, sometimes, you know, the more I write about these things, and I think that I'm sure Chris gets this too with his books, you know, people do contact you when there's something relevant to, you know, that, that's relevant to them, you know, and you've, you've written about it. So that does sometimes make it easier when people approach you rather than you have to try and find the stories. Well, there's an impression here, I think, also, Nick, that a lot of these shape-shifting stories are not new. But that's not the case. You're getting stuff all the time, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, that, that actually is a good point because even when people think of werewolves, they think of, like, Eastern Europe in the 1700s or whatever, you know, in some little village in East Germany where, the, you know, they, they get the local priest out and the, the whatever, you know, to, to, to kill the vampire or the werewolf. But, no, you're right. But, um, I mean, shapeshift, these big, thicket, Bigfoot-type stories I was talking about changing into balls of light. The most recent one I have from the big thicket I think is about four years ago um, the the black dogs are still being seen in England not as much granted as they used to be but people do still see them um, and you know these flying humanoid things um, we, we still get to see them so you know it's very much an ongoing phenomenon but I think the problem is that we kind of touched on earlier that these cases are so bizarre in many respects that people People, a lot of the time, people just don't want to talk about them because the weirder it is, the more worried they are about their reputations, you know. Well, certainly you're not worried about that. No, you came out with care. a book on shape-shifting. No, no, I have no reputation or, you know, sense of having to worry about what I say. I say what I say. If people like it, that's fine. If people like it or don't like it, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. You know, I'm going to say what I think and put out what I think. And if people like it, that's good. People think Nick's crazy. Well, I'll give him the middle finger, you know, so what? Well, well here's something right here. In August 2016, the author, that's you, sir, visited the site of many of the Defiance, Ohio, Wolfman encounters from 1972. You were trying to do the research hands-on, direct on the scene. Well, yeah, I mean, I always try and do this, you know. I mean, like with the big thicket, I've been there many times. I've been to Point Pleasant many times, Puerto Rico. I always think it's important, if you're going to do investigative work, to go to the places. Now, the one you talked about, Defiance, Ohio, this is one of the very few cases I have on record from a relatively recent time um, where the witnesses were sure that, this creature was a human turned into a werewolf. Now, Defiance is a little town, you know, Ohio. Let's tell the story okay. in our final segment. Right. We'll hear the story about what happened in Defiance, Ohio. Okay. You should know somebody who lived there. I don't think he was a werewolf. <laughs> you never know that. Gene, Nick, and Chris. It's your turn, Nick. You're in. The Powder Cat! 
What was that? Your uh, your your uh, English football announcer uh, voice. <laughs> Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year. You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sites on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer? Go to technightowl.com slash host. Once again, that's technightowl.com slash host. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I'm here to tell you about GCNTelecare.com, a team of board-certified doctors assisting you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. Within 15 minutes of registration, care your family can afford. Revolutionizing the healthcare industry, virtual consulting, providing diagnosis of non-emergency medical issues by phone or secure video on computer or smart mobile devices. GCNTelecare.com, virtual care anywhere. Dr. Carolyn Dean wants you to have a free chapter of her new book, The Magnesium Miracle Second Edition, and it's available at magmiracle.com. In your free chapter, Dr. Carolyn Dean explains how magnesium is essential to support the structure and function and overall health of your body. Your free chapter is your guide to learn how to support your heart, bone, metabolic, lung, and mental health with this powerful mineral. The Magnesium Miracle Second Edition is available on Amazon, but right now get a free chapter at magmiracle.com, spelled M-A-G, miracle.com. It's a no-brainer. A Big Berkey water filter is the one you need, period. You need a water filter that removes chlorine, fluoride, pharmaceuticals, BPA, and other endocrine disruptors, pesticides, bacteria, viruses, and much more, right? And does it all at only two cents per gallon. Get the original and most trusted name in gravity water filtration, Big Berkey. And now GCN listeners receive 5% off ceramic filter systems using code GCN. Call or click 1-877-99-BERKEY or BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. That's 1-877-99-BERKEY. If you're a sleep apnea sufferer who's on the go, go to your phone and call right now to try the world's first portable mini CPAP device, absolutely risk-free for 10 restful nights. It's the Transcend Mini CPAP, an engineering marvel that's as small as a soda can and weighs less than a pound. Its unique design is so small and so light, you can fit it in your briefcase or purse to use anywhere you go. No more dragging around a big, bulky CPAP. Even better, now you can try Transcend absolutely risk-free for 10 restful nights by calling minicpap.com, 1-800-962-4276. Transcend is FAA compliant, too, so you can even sleep comfortably while flying. You can also add a battery pack that's as tiny as a deck of cards. So now you can enjoy the freedom to sleep comfortably anywhere. But don't wait. To receive your 10-night in-home trial, call minicpap.com now. 1-800-962-4276. That's 1-800-962-4276.
This is Dan Pillett. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Uh, that must have been your uh, your your British uh, soccer announcer uh, voice. <laughs> well, something along those lines. I'm big into I am big into soccer, so it could be. <laughs> well, the only thing is, if you keep doing that, somebody will sock you. <laughs> True. <laughs> the Defiance Werewolf story is a weird one. Um, it dates back to 1972, and in the summer months, what happened was that there were an initial wave of sightings near an old railroad that runs through the town, and which is still there to this day. It hasn't really changed at all. Just the, the old buildings have just been repainted, etc., etc. But what was happening was that, you know, you had some of the guys who were working shifts, so they're working through the night on the railroad. And they were the ones, the initial people, who reported seeing what looks like one of these so-called dogmen that I mentioned earlier, but with one difference. It was wearing like tattered clothes, sort of no shoes or anything, but a tattered shirt, tattered pants, as if it had sort of, you know, burst out of its regular clothing and grown and the, the clothes had split. And, of course, at first people laughed, and but, you know, these uh, railroad staff were adamant about what they'd seen. Then other people around town, it's not a big town, heard these weird howlings in the middle of the night. People reported hearing scratches on the front doors. And the police got involved. They actually even opened a file, you know, what you could arguably call a real-life X-file. And maybe, you know, through the Freedom of Information Act, you might still be able to get that. You know, it's probably stored away in the vaults or the old dusty filing cabinets at the, the police station. But the police took the story very seriously, and the, the local media in and around Defiance all covered this story for roughly two months from about July to the start of July to the end of August in 1972 and it was actually as i said taken very very seriously because multiple people were seeing this creature um and so when i had chance i went out there last year um just roughly round about this time last year a little bit earlier uh with a bunch of friends lyle blackburn who's written a couple of books on bigfoot and ken gerhard who's written a book called on the encounters with flying humanoids and it was kind of cool to see the the original location uh, which, as I said, hasn't changed much. And, you know, sort of uh, lots of woodland and rivers and, you know, the, the ideal place if it was a real flesh-and-blood animal. But uh, like so many of these events, you know, it came to a sudden end and the creature was gone. But that's that's one of the very few from a relatively modern era that I've got where people were actually talking about seeing a wolf-like creature that literally changed from, you know, a guy around town that, nobody identified as the werewolf but uh that for all intents and purposes that's what people were thinking that there was somebody in town who at the sight of a full moon would literally change into a werewolf but those cases are extremely sort of few and far between well this is so long ago 1972 
Have there been more recent yeah. things there in Defiance? Or was there a singular uh, set of but, events? What I should stress, I mean, that's the, for, you know, granted, it's 45 years ago, so it's not recent, recent. But compared to, what I meant was, compared to, you know, the three or 400 year old cases, it is recent. But what I would say is that the, all the cases I've got, and nearly all the ones that Linda has got, Linda Godfrey, there is barely a handful where there's been a human component with a dogman. It's always, the dogman is just always the dogman, even though it has the ability to stand on two legs and four. But it's, there are very, very few, maybe three or four out of all the six books that Linda's written where somebody claims that, you know, they saw a person change into one of these things. So so that angle today is pretty much out of the picture, um, you know, in terms of what defines a dogman or a werewolf. It's not, you know, somebody gets bitten and then full moon comes along, you know, they start growing fangs and, and fur and whatever hair. Um, it, it's not like that today, you know, even if it was with the old legends. Where did those legends begin about biting someone, a werewolf, for example, and that person develops the disease? It sounds like a contagious disease kind of myth. Well, I think more inclined to think there were multiple reasons as to why these things might, these stories might develop. One could be, you know, a crazy person who has, you know, lycanthropy where they literally think they are changing. Um, you know, one of the intriguing things about the, the story of the Beast of Gévaudan, France, this creature that supposedly slaughtered numerous people in the 1700s, one of the theories was that it could have been a captured hyena or an exotic animal brought into France from, you know, possibly Africa, somewhere like that. I don't think there's just one explanation for stories like werewolves. You know, there could have been, somebody may well have been attacked by a pack of vicious big wolves. Somebody else had lycanthropy. You know, one could have been an exotic animal perceived as a, as a wolf or a wolf man. And we have the supernatural angle of the dogman. So, you know, you put all those angles together and they unify into one sort of cohesive angle of the werewolf, you know, but it's actually several things coming together and, and becoming unified. I can suppose also someone sustains or contracts some kind of disease that causes growths on their face or body. And therefore, you know, the legend can go, well, they were bitten by something and they became another creature and a little bit of exaggeration turns them into werewolves, I guess. One good example or one good possibility, you know, if somebody got bitten by a rabid dog and, you know, got rabies, you can find footage of, online of people in the final stages of rabies. They're deranged. Somebody with rabies in the final stages, that's like the closest thing you could imagine to like a real zombie outbreak. You know, they're just psychotic almost at times. So if there were people on the loose, bitten by a rabbit dog, rabbit wolf, no cure, it wouldn't at all surprise me at all if some might have been born out of some tragic character who got rabies. So The Walking Dead is about shape-shifting because you turn into this other creature. Well, I guess you do. That's right, yeah. That's another type of shifting, yeah. And we have this obsession now with zombies. I don't understand that at all, but then maybe I'm too old to care. The Walking Dead, but I mean, there's a lot of garbage out there as well. I like that show, but even I think, like your favorite band, it's time to wrap it up and let's go out on a high and not just drag it out forever and a day. You know? The classic example of dragging it out and milking the cow would be Ancient Aliens. I thought that show, 
if they were lucky, they were going to get three seasons out of it. And it's just absolutely, I'm flabbergasted that they've been able to milk that cow for what, I think 12 years now? The last time I was on it was the last time I was on it because I, I, I kind of feel the same. You know, it, it, had yeah. a, it had its run. But I've always been like that with everything. You know, like my favorite athletes or bands, I always I think there's a time to stop. And I think, you know, that's you can relate that to any aspect of life, really, when it has yeah. a time limit on it. Yeah, you know, something else will come along, like another paranormal show or whatever, and it'll be a hit for a while, and then something else and something else. <laughs> They'll stop doing Star Trek retreads. In fact, the latest show, Star Trek Discovery, is really called Star Trek Retread. Now, some people actually like it. I only saw the one episode because I don't want to subscribe to another streaming service to see it. I actually haven't watched any Star Trek or anything. Since I was probably like five or six, it was a little, maybe 11. But um, I remember watching the first, the original series when I was a little kid, when it was broadcast in the sort of late, mid-70s in England. But uh, other than that, and that, people are kind of surprised because I'm not really into sci-fi. You know, I've never watched anything like any of these other shows like Babylon 5 or Battlestar Galactic. I've never seen any of them. I've never seen any of the Star Wars movies. I've never seen any of the Lord of the Rings movies. Okay, where can we find more of your stuff, Nick Redfern? Uh, my blog, World of Whatever. Just type in Nick Redfern plus World of Whatever, you'll find me. Or the Twitter, Nick Redfern UFO. Or you can find me on Facebook. All the books you can get from Amazon and most of them from Barnes & Noble. You can find us on Twitter if you look for The Powercast. Look for two Powercast fan clubs on Facebook. Look for Chris O'Brien's site, OurStrangePlanet.com. For new stuff, check out the Paracast Plus at plus.theparacast.com. We have some new stuff, plus some shows that you actually have to get a second login from Paul to see. And they're going up in the Paracast Plus with the After the Paracast podcast and other goodies. To learn more, go to plus.theparacast.com. That's P-L-U-S dot theparacast.com. Subscriptions start just $1.49 a week. So glad to have you back. Nick Redfern, thanks for joining us on the Paracast. Yeah, thanks, Nick. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks a lot. See you later. The Paracast, featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast.